Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans and is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you'd call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we can share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2022 MLB preseason. Enjoy. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 53. Alex and I are coming to you live. It is Tuesday, March 22nd. The games have finally begun, Alex. We are now in full swing mode for the spring training games. We're about, I think it's uh, about four to five games in for most teams. Uh, And Alex, we're about two weeks away now from opening day. And I know we're really looking forward to that. So really quick spring training this year, kind of a bummer. I know a lot of fans like to go out to Arizona or Florida during the month of March, get some games in. Of course, probably this year might have to... uh, think more about the regular season than spring training. But today's episode, Alex and I will be taking a deeper dive into, you know, some updates on the games. We're also going to talk about some of the big free agents that have now landed. Last episode, we had a big list of players still looking for homes. They have finally found their homes, and we'll talk more about that in the deals, go over some of the trades that have happened, and then me and Alex will give you kind of our input on the, let's just say the winners and the losers of this offseason. We know it's been kind of a strange offseason, but me and Alex will talk about kind of our top three teams we really felt won the offseason, three top three teams that we felt maybe should have improved a little bit more and we're kind of the losers of the off season. And then of course, get into the main part of the episode ranking today, the top 10 outfielders at each position and the DH. So we'll go left field, center field, right field, and then the DH give you our top 10. Like we talked about last time with the infielders this time with the outfielders. So of course, stacked lineup today for the show, Alex, let's kick it off. We'll start with free agency news. Cool. And this actually happened I think it was last Wednesday, right when you posted the episode, uh, some big names were falling off the uh, the block. That's right. <laughs> so first starting off with the big trade that, start, that happened, and now also an extension. Matt Chapman goes from Oakland to the Toronto Blue Jays, and also, as of a couple days ago, if not yesterday or today, he signed a two-year, 25-mil extension. Yes. Thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think overall it makes a lot of sense. I thought they had a third-base hole. I think they were kind of linked to Jose Ramirez a bit, or at least fans, you know, Blue Jays fans were hoping that would happen. So it made sense they went out there and got a third baseman. Like Matt Chapman, he's going to help the defense a lot because Guerrero Jr., not a huge defensive force. Uh, Bichette, not the known for his defense at all. Um, so you're going to have at least one infielder you can really, really trust and kind of boost the whole infield defensive value by just gobbling up everything on the left side in Matt Chapman at third. So I like the deal. It makes sense. I think it's another righty bat, which I was really thinking they'd go for a lefty. You know, I thought they'd go for Freeman. Mm-hmm. They obviously tried, um, ended up, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, it's a very positive deal for the team. Uh you know that infield is going to give a lot of war <laughs> it definitely will because chapman is going to you know like always the defense is going to just boost his value totally and then bachette and guerrero i fully expect to be some of the best offensive players at their positions second base i guess right now would go to biggio i heard they're even still like i heard a rumor a couple days ago they're still even in talks with 
you know, the Guardians about Jose Ramirez, he could even play second base for them. That would the, be that would be a insta- dream infield. In, instantly the best second baseman in baseball, possibly. But um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, that that's still, of course, you know, just whispers and rumors. I think I heard something about the Guardians not wanting to move off him just yet because he is so cheap. He actually is like on a really team friendly deal. So mm-hmm. why move an MVP um, for? You know, or an MVP candidate, I should say, for, you know, when he's getting paid almost nothing. So, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, the Blue Jays have really bolstered their team in lots of ways. Um, before the, before this last week, they added a bunch of pitching, but now they got a very good bat with a uh, very, very good glove. So it's it's a good add for sure. It definitely is. And I think that uh, that really completes that infield. It's a lot of righty hitters, but I think that they now have their strengths um all over the diamond. I know Vladdy might need some help on defense. He's playing first base, not a huge defensive, you know, position, but right now Biggio and Chapman, um, they're going to save a lot of runs. They're going to save a lot of hits from their pitchers as well. I'm pretty sure their starting rotation is very happy with that left side. Um, so starting it off, that was the hottest move pretty much since the last episode. Then the next move happened, Alex, and that was Kyle Schwarber going to the Philadelphia Phillies. I think it was a four-year deal, almost about $80 million. So now the Phillies have their left-handed hitting DH most likely. Um, thoughts on that deal? Yeah, I think it's I think it's good because the Phillies are a team that I've been saying since last season they need to make a big push. I felt like last year, Travis, their division was really, really wide open. The Braves, especially after the Acuna injury, but even the whole year, like, were not really taking over the division. They were not even, like, above 500 until, I believe, like, August or something like that. It was really crazy. So, um, n- now, all of a sudden, the Braves and the Mets and the Phillies are making these big acquisitions to try to all kind of compete. So I, I respect the Phillies for trying to keep up with the other teams in the, in the division. Um, they're, they're taking definitely an offensive approach to this arms race. They didn't add any, you know, big starting pitchers, didn't add any defensive gurus, but they got some really big bats. And Schwarber is, of course, one of the, you know, hottest bats of the postseason in the you know, throughout all last season, a really powerful lefty bat. I think he should either provide great protection for Harper or even go before him and be a good on base guy. Um, Cause Schwarber with protection, Travis is going to get so many walks. It will, it will. And that, that leads me to my next acquisition for the Phillies, Nicholas Castellanos, another big bat. Alex, you kind of mentioned to me this week, Philly's defense might be an issue, but the offense will not be an issue. Right. Um, they have some stellar bats right now. I'm thinking about the lineup. I'm almost thinking, you know, you might have Segura, and then you have Harper, and then you have Castellanos, then you have Schwarber. You get all those guys on for Schwarber. You get a lot of grand slams this year. And then, of course, it goes on the line. Hoskins, Real Muto. There's a lot of power in this lineup right now. Um, I guess we'll kind of talk about it in you know the next couple of weeks. But initial thoughts right now on the Phillies lineup. Yeah, it's super, super stacked at the top for sure. Um, especially if a guy like Bohm can keep like developing. Uh, he's going to be in the bottom half of your order. And for, exactly. for someone who was a top prospect at one point, um, you really hope if his back continues to develop, he could be like, uh, you know, a really like one of the best seven or eight hitters, you know, in baseball. But um, I think they still have Gregorius. So they still have a good amount of lefty righty thing going on here because, you know, Harper, Schwarber and Gregorius, that's at least three lefties on a given day. Um, I think the lineup really kind of does it all. Harper, Schwarber are going to be great discipline. You know, they have power, but they walk a lot. Hoskins walks a ton. And then you have a guy like Castellanos, who is really about more about balls in play. Yep. Uh, always is in the batting title race the last couple seasons and like a big doubles guy. So um, he's all about putting the ball in the gap and all that kind of stuff. So a really balanced lineup, I think. Uh, 
I, I, I think I told you if Bohm can develop and if um if Real Muto can kind of have a bounce back year, mm-hmm. if Nolo can have like a bounce back year, I still think they're competitive for the division. They are. Even though the other teams might have made some more glamorous um, additions in the division, I think that they still made uh, I think they add a lot of value with these picks. They really did. And that kind of moves us into the other teams in the NL East. Some big moves were made by the Braves, of course, with Olsen um, and extending him. But now the Braves will bring back NLCS MVP Eddie Rosario and also bring back, I'm sorry, not bring back, bring in Dodgers closer Kenley Jansen. Yes. You now have a pretty stacked bullpen with the Braves. You bring in Colin McHugh and you bring in Kenley Jansen with Minter, Matzik, Will Smith. They have options everywhere right now. And so the Braves seem to be kind of gearing back up. We expect Acuna to come back maybe end of April, if not May, if he's not ready for opening day. I'm expecting maybe a 20-game kind of delay. We'll see what happens. I'm not really too uh, updated on what his injury status is right now, but uh, Braves still looking really strong right now. Give me your take right now with what those like, acquisitions mean. Yeah, they definitely... Um, uh, I think it's good for them that they're not being complacent. You know, they just came off a World Series win, but I think if their, you know, general management's being realistic, you know, they were an 88-win team, they need to retool to continue to be competitive in the division, and they are doing that. Um, They made the decision to go Olsen instead of Freeman. They said, you know, we'll give up some young assets in order to kind of save money at first base for equal or even maybe better value. Um, and then they're going to get uh, bring in guys like, like you said, like Rosario coming back. Don't expect him to be the guy he was in the postseason, yep. <laughs> but he will still be a very solid platoon bat, a good lefty in the middle, if not like kind of the guys kind of protecting the middle of the order. Um, probably like a five, six hitter, I would think. You know, we'll see how they roll it out. Yeah. But um, overall, he's a good guy to have platooning in the outfield. And then Jansen, Travis, uh, Someone who I really thought was going to be a Dodger. Yeah. I thought he was going to be a Dodger. You know, I don't know about for life, but at least for the entirety of his prime. And of course, he is a bit out of his prime, but he's still, I think, very effective. Um, lots of upside with him. So it's a very good addition. I assume he will close. I assume that Will Smith will be, you know, demoted to set up or something. Set up, yeah. Lefty, Will Smith, righty. Uh, you know, and I think another reason why it's a good ad is because in the postseason, it was Will Smith, lefty. It was Matzik, lefty. It was Minter, lefty. These three lefties that were their most... McHugh, Jansen, Sliderman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you really you really are kind of addressing the need, which was uh, some right-handed uh, top-level arms for high-leverage situations. So and, uh, it makes and I, sense. And I know Jackson, you know, definitely was not very good in the postseason, especially in that uh, National League Championship Series. But I, I know he still had a really good regular season. I think he'll have a good regular season again as well. Their their bullpen is still primed. Of course, we all remember their, just how elite they were in, in October. I think they're still going to be very good, but of course, they're probably going to have some slip-up numbers. You know, Minter and Matzik could have ERAs, you know, north of three this season. It really wouldn't surprise me. But still, um, really, really impressive bullpen for what they've done. I really like what they have done. And then, of course, starting pitching side, they still have young, good starting pitchers also leading the way with Charlie Morton, who actually I think might be good to go for opening day. That'd be big for them if that's the case. That would be. That would be. Um, So that kind of sums up uh, the NL East. I guess one small move, Alex Jorge Soler, the World Series MVP. He's going to South Beach. He's going to Miami to join the Marlins. Uh, I feel like he definitely fit there. Um, He got paid. Yeah, he got paid. It was a a big deal for a guy who last year was pretty much – I think he was let go for very little, I guess, by by yeah by Kansas City, right? Yep, yep. Let go, traded over to the uh, the Braves, and then of course just kind of 
he grew into the and, and <laughs> hero when, of Atlanta. <laughs> when you pop off on the big stage, it can help you get that payday. So he definitely. Uh, I don't think anyone. You know, if you if you took a pause at like the All Star break last year and you said next season Solaire's contract will be this, you'd be like, well, what did he do to what did he do in the second half yeah. to, to get that to happen? No, but, I agree. But it I was agree. big time. I agree. Yeah, yeah. That uh, it's kind of crazy how those kind of appearances in the World Series really can uh get you paid a lot of money yeah, for boost your value for sure especially from a team that you really didn't even help you know they're going to just say you know we're going to pay you a lot of money because you're a big ta- you're a big time name from what you did in october so um that kind of sums up the nl east we'll now move to the uh the wild wild west alex the national league west made some pretty big moves this past week chris bryant going to colorado kind of a question mark jock peterson going to the giants Freddie Freeman, the biggest uh, chip out there on the Los Angeles Dodgers now. And then also Luke Voigt getting traded from the Yankees over to San Diego. So he really switches uh, up what what his scenery is going to be looking like now. He went from, uh, you know, Bronx all the way down to the, uh, the nice beaches of San Diego. So from those four moves, Alex, you know, I guess I'll start off by saying which one do you like the best? I think it's pretty obvious. But, you know, thoughts on all those moves. Yeah, I think that, you know, the Dodgers getting Freeman is the biggest move in the division, um, especially because I think he's almost going to perfectly replace the production, the offensive production of Corey Seager, who, of course, they lost to Texas. So you just kind of, you know, you lost your left-handed bat that kind of was both good at power and contact, a good all-around plate presence, um, bad through the top of the order in the playoffs. Uh, usually like batting second or third or something like that. You're pretty much swapping him out and putting in Freeman. So I think it's a really good way to retool the team. I think I actually saw a Max Muncy quote saying that Muncy said his favorite position to play is actually second base, and he thinks of himself as a second baseman. Wow. Okay. So if that's the case, um, when he's fully healthy, if he can play second base and Freeman can play first base, um, that's going to be a really, really, really good infield. Uh, you have probably uh, a top three first baseman if you consider Muncy a second baseman he's probably a top three second baseman Trey Turner's a top three shortstop um and and Justin Turner's a very good third baseman so um that's definitely a really scary looking team there um as expected we all knew the Dodgers would make a big move uh moving on to the other uh moves in the division I think that Voight going to the Padres um makes sense for the Padres they need to get some more right-handed hitting production I think especially Mm -hmm. with Tatis going to miss some time uh, I think it makes sense also because Hosmer is a lefty, so you're getting a big righty bat. Um, I think that he will be able to put up some 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 pretty solid numbers, not in a hitter's ballpark, so uh, it might not be crazy, crazy production, but I think overall Voight is a, is a really good add. At the very least, he's your DH um, in matchups you like him for, so uh, I think overall it's a, it's a smart move. I like the move. Um, and then Chris Bryant, Travis, to the Rockies. What happened there? It is definitely, it's definitely, I mean, the thing, you, you just the, look, you look at the last two years of being a Rockies fan. You just have to say, I don't know what direction we're trying to head into. Yeah. You know? well, yeah what, what is the game plan here? Um, the, the thing I keep saying that I kind of came up with like a couple weeks ago is nothing surprises me anymore with the Rockies. Like they, <laughs> they really can't make a move. They cannot make a move. That's going to shock me because, um, I just can't, I just, I no longer expect them to do like smart moves. I just yeah, like, yeah. they just pretty much let their franchise player. I mean, Nolan Arenado could be a Hall of Famer one day. 
And if he wins an MVP ever in St. Louis or if he wins a World Series there, he might go in as a Cardinal. And the Rockies traded that away. They traded away the chance to have like a Hall of Famer yeah, yeah. In, in for their team. Um, it They just pretty much gave what money they would have been paying Arenado. They just pretty much gave a similar contract to Bryant. And it's great for, you know, the fans that didn't want to watch a last place team. But... The, obviously, the addition is not going to change anything. There will be fourth or fifth in division, almost certainly. Exactly. Barring a disaster for you know San Francisco or Padres, which I yeah, don't think is going to yeah, happen. Yeah. So I think that you know the move doesn't make you more competitive. Um, it just kind of sells a little bit more jersey and a bit more tickets, which is I think all the Rockies ownership really cares about. Unfortunately, um, I really hope that they would retool. They did not trade Trevor Story. They have not yet traded Charlie Blackman, uh, uh, Blackman, nor, nor Herman Marquez. Yeah. And they just um, signed Ryan McMahon to a, uh, you know, a nice extension as well. So again, the, yeah, it's all about kind of <laughs> keeping, keeping some, some fan names, uh, I guess, relevant and, you know, the Jersey sales and stuff. I mean, I just don't think the move, you know, it, it, it's tough to knock a team for going and getting a big name, right? Like I want to, like, Texas got lots of praise for going and getting two big names yeah. in, their, in their middle infield, but uh the Rockies were so obviously it's so obvious that there was it was rebuild time like the division is so stacked at the top you're not going to compete with the Dodgers the Padres and the Giants right now they're all too good it's too stacked and you have young talent and you had talent that was on expiring deals like Story who you could have traded for good prospects they didn't really get much notable for Arenado yeah, yeah. and they let Story walk for nothing and they let John Gray walk for nothing so are you gonna let Marquez walk for nothing and Blackman walk for nothing? Yeah. I guess I guess so. So I mean it, it's really it's really strange. Um, but like I said, I'm no longer surprised by their moves. Sorry, Rocky fans, if we're being down on your team, but I think you are kind of aware of you know the the ridiculousness, the craziness. Um, the one person who I think benefits a lot from this is Chris Bryant. He's getting paid for sure. And I honestly think Travis, I would not be surprised if in three or four years, um, if he's on the trade, if he's on the trade block, and and that's a good point to uh, point out. I mean, that's a good, that's good to point out right there because I think the deal definitely favors that he could play. Yeah, you said three or four years in Colorado, and then you know be traded away. But then again, he could be. He'll probably be in you know his his almost mid thirties, and so yeah. But he could yeah he could at least go to a contender and be like no, know, very true. I'm gonna have my last hurrah somewhere. Else. Very true, very true, very true. And so that that's a good point you put there. Um, but again, confusing not really know which direction they want to head. I mean, they guess in their mind, they're still thinking we can still compete, but I think we all know the giants and the Padres and the Dodgers, especially the Padres and the Dodgers are going to be here for the entire decade for, you know, probably going to be winning for the entire decade. So I wouldn't really be a surprise that, uh, you know, they're going to keep on winning division titles for, you know, the next eight years or so, but, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I know we've seen crazier things in baseball. I'm not saying the Rockies could win the division, but who knows? Maybe, maybe if something weird were happen, they can make some sort of wild card run. But, you know, again, who knows? I'm definitely not putting my money on them at all. But uh, Jock Peterson going to the, to the Giants could be a really nice uh, platoon in the outfield. I know that's kind of what his role was with the or with the Braves. And so now, again, going to the Giants against a righty pitcher, Yastrzemski, Jock playing the corners. Um, you could have a lot of lefty star power on that lineup for a right-handed pitcher. Could be a really good platoon guy. So um, I like him a lot there. Freeman, uh, you know, it was it, it just kind of was a, a good fit. If the Braves weren't going to pay him, the Dodgers would. 
Um, and so it was a good signing there. And then, of course, you know, Voight being a nice compliment to Hosmer uh, can get some first base time, get some DH time. You know, both guys can switch it off. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think uh, the NL West, those teams at the top are all kind of retooled, ready to go for another interesting race, Travis. I'm excited to kind of talk about that in our episode before opening day when we kind of discuss, you know, who we think is going to take the division. That will be one of the hardest ones to predict, I think. The, Dod- the Dodgers, of course, are going to be a favorite especially with the, with the Tatis injury and uh, like Posey retiring and stuff like that. But um, at the end of the day, it is up for grabs, I think. It definitely is, honestly. I think that uh, we saw from last year that there's a lot of competitive teams in there. I think the Potters will be better. They have Bob Melvin now. Um, once they get Tatis back, they should be rolling. They're getting Clevenger back. They're getting a lot of guys back that should be uh, very, very helpful to get them, you know, hopefully 90 plus wins this season and really, you know, can stand out in the, in the regular season. But moving on, Alex, uh, a couple moves that, you know, I would say they, they're going to help, but I, I don't really think they're going to really push these teams at all into the postseason. Uh, Zach Granke going back to Kansas City. Um, I think we both can agree Kansas City is nowhere near a playoff team right now. So Cool story. Uh, it, it's mean, more of a homecoming. Good probably, for him. Probably going to retire maybe after the season. We'll see. But he goes back to Kansas City. And then Seiya Suzuki, he now is going to be on the north side of Chicago for the Chicago Cubs. He agreed to a five-year deal. I think it was about $70 million. So a really friendly deal. We'll see really what happens and how he can thrive uh, in Chicago this year and for the next couple of years. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, it was really cool to see the moment where he announced his number to be 27 and they asked him why. And he said, I love you, Mike Trout. <laughs> Another reason we, we, he would have fit perfectly on the Angels roster. Yeah, it was definitely a, a, a cool moment to see. I always love seeing like... Uh, international players uh and american players kind of coming you know uh just seeing like you know baseball kind of uniting being a uniting force for like you know different uh people from different backgrounds but it, it's it's really cool to see him uh be able to prove himself in the mlb now it makes me think really what he was telling his agent and if like the angels were interested i'm surprised he didn't say like or you know it, it's it's a business but honestly imagine playing with mike trout who probably is his favorite player. And then you get to play with Shohei Otani, who is, you know, a God where he's coming from. And so it, my, it, it's, my, it's interesting to see what, I wonder what those talks were going about, you know, my, my biggest gut feeling about the angels and not getting like a huge, huge contract this off season, like didn't really, you know, they were, they were in on Korea, quote unquote, they were in on different pitchers, quote unquote. But I really think that they were heavily limited this offseason because I really think that they're preparing next offseason for a huge extension for Shoya Otani. That's just all speculation. There, I obviously have no sources and stuff like that. But um, it really lines up the Otani timeline well in terms of him being, you know, you don't want him to be able to explore the market. You want to kind of lock him into your team. So Definitely. I think that... Um, Come next offseason, Upton will be off the books. Pools is already off the books. Money's getting freed up. Um, quite a few one-year deals this year, um, kind of like always. So I think it'll free up tons of, of I guess, uh, space for an Otani contract extension. So if you had gotten a Correa and a Suzuki this offseason, you might not be able to afford that Otani contract. So I think, I think they were mindful of that. And they know who's selling all the jerseys and who's selling all the tickets. Otani was a monster and they want to keep him on the team for a while, assuming he stays, you know, on track. So, and that's one guy that, you know, I know we always give criticisms to Artie, but I know he, he's not stupid. He knows the most marketable guy in baseball is Shohei Shohei Otani. And if you want to make more money, you might as well, you know, keep that guy on your roster for, you know, the next eight to 10 years or something like that. So the only concern is Otani has been vocal about wanting to be a winner. So that's why I've, I've been saying, 
Angels, if they want to keep Otani, they need to really retool and make a big push for the postseason. We'll see if they can get it done, of course. But um, speaking of the Angels, I guess we'll, we'll quickly go to uh, added some bullpen arms, Travis, for, for once added some serious pitching depth. Very true. Yeah, that's right. I forgot to mention those guys. Yeah, Archie Bradley and Ryan Tapera. Yeah, definitely two very solid additions. Um, they already added Loop and extended Rizelli Iglesias, um, kind of re-added him to the team. Uh, I thought the bullpen was, you know, good as is. Not great, but it was good enough as is where we should address starting pitching and stuff like that. But honestly, I'm happy to see that they are putting money towards, you know, this season. And even to pair, I think it was a two-year deal. So two next years, season yep. as well. It's very good to see um, some established arms going to be a part of the bullpen. Should be really good uh, influence on some of the young arms back there too because, you know, guys like Austin Warren, um, Wance is back there. Just a, a, a handful, Mayors, of, a, yeah. a handful yeah. of guys who could probably use the veteran influence. Um, I think overall it's going to be really good for the team. Uh, if we could have the best bullpen in the AL West, which is, right now we probably do. We have to you know, kind of see how the Mariners look because the Mariners had the best – ERA-wise last year, but I think that they really, um, I, I mean, I, I, with, I don't want... With the goat Paul Seawald, yeah. I don't, I don't want to bash on them, but I feel like it was a, a really lucky stretch for the Alex bullpen. Alex thinks the Mariners is a fluke, you know? <laughs> I, 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 I do think that their winning stretch last year was a big fluke, but, um, you know, this year that could change and they could be Well, legit. the run differential was kind of a, you know... It was super questionable for sure. I, I think it pointed out that their offense was, was good their bullpen was great and their starting pitching was probably below average because you're looking at that, that they're probably winning one or two run ball games, but then they're losing seven run ball games. So, you know. Yeah, and and I think that their their offense was like the worst batting average in the league last year. So something like that. Like it was just very, a, a really weird team. Everyone's really high on them going into uh, this next season. But I I mean, I'll save it for the, the talk before opening day when we kind of break down each the division. Talk, but yep. I am not. Uh, I'm not there yet with them. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not penciling them in for the second spot in the division yet. I think it'll be between them and the Angels, and the Angels re-upping their bullpen. I yeah. think is going to help a lot. And a healthy Rendon, Otani, and Trout. I think that that definitely gives them a serious, serious edge over every other team in the ALS. Probably not the Astros, just because of the complete team, how good they are. But I think that that kind of easily the, does it. Right. The Astros did lose pieces though. Very and true. Didn't really replace them. Travis, if I had to ask you right now. Who's their shortstop opening day? Alex think, Bregman. I, I don't think either, I don't think I don't think either of us really know <laughs> who is next on on deck for them at that spot because that the, all I'm trying to say is that's going to be a serious drop in like war yeah, for a position. Yeah, oh, right? definitely. Like if if the Angels lost like a starting pitcher, it's like the next man up is going to be kind of weak, and that's like why starting pitching depth was so important for them. The, there's really no depth at shortstop, I think, for the Astros. Like whoever the next man up is, is not going to be a huge contributor he's being probably their ninth hitter you know very true and that really transitions us to the big signing that came through uh i believe it was friday night carlos correa signing a three-year deal with the minnesota twins a very interesting wild card the twins have had a very interesting i think last 10 days i would say alex i believe it's probably one of the best deals i know a lot of people i've talked to don't they think it's just a st stupid sad deal but three years I think it's 105.3 mil. So you're getting 35.1 mil a year and you have two opt-outs. You are getting pretty much three one-year deals. And in those three years, if you can just strike gold and Correa can have a career year, 
you're going to opt out. You're going to get more money. So honestly, a great deal by him, I think. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. The thing was that this was his career year, and it's really crazy that he was like top. I think he was. I think it was top position player, uh, base reference war. He was, you know, top. I think five in MVP voting, something yeah. like that. At least top yep. ten. I can't remember. But um, it's crazy how he had that good of a year, and. Uh, did not get the long-term lockdown security. You hope that you know his health is able to be consistent because um, there's a lot of whispers on you know Twitter and it's all just rumors. But like maybe his health reports weren't great. He has had an injured history, back issues, stuff like that. Maybe maybe if any of that kind of stuff is popping back up. Uh, teams might be worried to extend it for ten years if they're not sure he can be a shortstop for you know beyond like the next five years. But Travis, I think the most interesting thing about this is. In terms of guaranteed money, there were or so there was there it was a big shortstop class, right? And there's five, there's four big shortstops, and then Simeon, who is a second baseman last year, but always was a shortstop. So let's call it a five shortstop market. Yeah, it's really crazy. No one would have suspected that the Texas Rangers spent more money on Simeon and Seeger than the other three got combined. Yeah, that's very true. How on earth? Did first of all Seeger get the best contract by far? And Seeger deserves it. He's a great player. Yeah, yeah. But I think everyone thought Korea would get more guaranteed money. And no one's close. Every no I, I think no one is above two hundred mil and Seeger is above three hundred mil. Yeah. So yeah. that's really crazy. And then Seeger plus Semyon is more than Baez plus Story plus Korea, which Very is true. which is yeah. also nuts. Like it's crazy how Texas spent over half their over half of the they money found some money somewhere over <laughs> half of all the money going to the shortstops came out of the rangers pockets which is you know more power to them but no one really saw that coming i think it's, yeah. it's pretty nuts that is pretty incredible and it's just one of those uh you know interesting off seasons where one team where you know we definitely all would say at the start of the off season the rangers were going to be picked to finish fifth and they just went in and said we're going to spend all the money we're going to finish fourth exactly yeah honestly <laughs> maybe finish third we'll see but i mean honestly like 80 wins i think would be a huge milestone for them this season if they got 80 wins so um i don't think it's going to happen but we'll see uh it is very crazy and, and it also you look at these deals because i'll kind of move on now trevor story six years i believe it's 140 million dollars he got he didn't even get 23 mil aav alex i thought he was going to get I thought he was probably going to get 25 mil AAV, didn't even get 23 mil AAV. Very surprising. You look at that and I say to myself, I wonder what other teams were doing or what other teams were thinking because I would have definitely have thought a team could have just said, we'll overpay for this guy. We'll give him, we'll give him, you know, Marcus Semien money and we'll just have to just kind of take it and that's fine. But Red Sox come in and they get the last big deal so far of the offseason, six years, um, 140 million Trevor story most likely we'll see what happens I think he'll probably play second base we'll see if they want to move Bogarts I don't know if Bogarts has kind of like won that position but who knows I know his defense has been kind of critical the past couple seasons and his career but I mean it's a good infield Devers story Bogarts no matter where you kind of put those guys uh it's a good middle infield I'll say at least right now so um really interesting to how the shortstop market kind of finished and and where the guys went what are your thoughts on those guys yeah i think that the story deal um i i guess i have kind of a unique take i i don't think it's going to be good my my my, my gut tells me that i i really wanted to st i i wouldn't say i really wanted a story but at one point i really wanted a story in the angels 
And then the more I kind of thought about it, I well, think we, we would take him over we got right now. Yeah. Right, exactly. But his 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 road numbers um have been pretty poor, especially last season. Uh and you know, the Coors effect is always something that's gonna be kind of a uh, hotly debated topic because sometimes a player leaves and they get even better, like a DJ LeMayhew. His yeah. back got better when he went to Yankee Stadium instead of Coors Field. Um so it there's inconsistent results, right? But I think that um Story was someone who his bat was declining. I think some of his pop was a bit declining. And I think some people were saying his defense might be even declining a little bit. Um, I still think he's a much better defender than Bogarts. I think they're going to use Story at second base. I think that there was some concern about his arm or something like that, um, his throwing. So I think that like maybe they want to use him at second to kind of preserve his arm longer. But I think that using him at second is going to decrease his value because he was probably like a five-war kind of guy yeah. as a shortstop. But you put him at second base, and that defense is a little bit less valuable, and um, his bat will be good for a second baseman standards, I think. But I actually saw I saw this interesting chart. Um, someone posted some sort of stat cast. It was a heat map on the field of where he usually hits the ball. Mm-hmm. And he is not a fly ball pull guy, which is what you want at Fenway if yeah, you're a righty. Say, yeah. you, can, you can just kind of chip it over the wall yep. and you're getting a double, double or home run. Yep. Um, he's got a lot of speed, so he can get a lot of doubles, you know? Yeah. Right. But he, what I really noticed from this heat chart, I wish I could show you, but the heat chart showed a right center. Okay. And that's 420. <laughs> right. Right center yeah, was yeah. like his hot zone, his red spot. He's a, you know that, That's where a lot of his power fly balls go that way so um i don't know if it makes sense with the ballpark i don't know if it makes sense with the infield considering i'm assuming they're going to keep bogarts at short i don't like the way that's really constructed um i i i'm not sure i I, i'm low on the red Sox. i guess i think the red Sox are still a third fourth place team right now yeah yeah i think that's fair to say um they i'm i fully expect them to be uh in the wild card race um but we'll talk about that you know later on i just I just, you know, Red Sox fans come at me, but I, I think that I think <laughs> I'm a little bit down on the signing. I think that they really could have done more um, to replace some of the bats that they lost. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that uh, really soon because we're talking about winners and losers. And yeah. the Red Sox might be on my on my list there. And I uh, and, you know, you lose Renfro, but then you bring in story. So it's kind of like is story going to provide the same sort of pop as Renfro? I, my guess um, would be less. Yeah. And then also people kind of forget that they lost Schwarber, who was one of the biggest reasons they like went on a run late. Very true. He was super uh, important, Travis, in uh those playoff games. Yeah. yeah. In the in the wild card game and in the playoff games to get them to as far as they went. So um yeah, I think that losing Schwarber um and not really replacing him with anyone like that, uh I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not, I'm not sure the lineup looks the same without Schwarber running for I guess. And I and I remember they were really high and in on Freddie Freeman towards the end, and it would have been a really good constructed lineup, I think, with yes. Freddie Freeman. Um, that would have replaced the Schwarber piece yeah. perfectly. I'm also thinking, and man, imagine if they could somehow get Freeman and uh, and Story on the same infield, and that infield would just be. I, I, can't, I, I can't be I can't imagine that infield but um that kind of wraps up I guess all the free agents and trades that have happened the last week probably next episode we won't have too too much to talk about all the big names are off um our list I know that the big seven names we talked about right now were on our list last week on you know where we're going to go we we're kind of giving our predictions but now they have fallen so Alex let's kind of go into the the winners and losers of the offseason give give me your top three 
uh, winners right now. Uh, I guess you don't have to really rank them in order. I did my ranking, but give me your top three teams right now that you think did a really good job. Okay, so first off, for me, has to be a winner is the Mets. Um, The new owner put tons of money towards improving the roster. People thought they had a chance to win the division last year. They really kind of floundered at the end. They really went big. Uh, spending money on free agents and making trades as well. Got Bassett. Uh, of course, Scherzer is huge. Um, and then just based on the way the team is kind of their direction, I think that they're ready for an Alonzo big year. I think Lindor might have a bit of a bounce back. I think yep. they're really trending in the right direction. Eduardo Escobar, um, Canna, Starling Marte. They definitely got a lot of backup the, bats too. Those three. Jeff you, McNeil can have a little bit less pressure. Nimmo, you know, it, it's yeah, a lot of bats. Those three you mentioned, uh, Escobar, Marte, and Canna, I think all – um, are gonna fill out the lineup, right? Because bef- before it was kind of questionable. Uh, it was it was it was very Angels esque. Where like <laughs> it was for them, it was like it was like August or whatever, and they had a bunch of injuries, and like or maybe it was even COVID, but like they had a bunch of like guys sidelined, and the lineup looked like who's batting fourth, who's batting fifth. I don't know who these guys are. Yeah, yeah. that was where like they were. Dominic at. Smith was their was their like, big like big a, lefty the, the, the three yeah, hole, three guy, and yeah. then beyond that, it was like okay. Nice. Jeff McNeil batting fourth, yeah. Jeff McNeil, we have, yeah. It, it was, you know, James McCann, you know, cleanup is not yeah. good. But, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think, I think you know, my point is just that they added lots of depth as well as high-level talent in a guy like Scherzer. So they're ready to, I guess, really put out a great year. They're going to compete for the division of, for sure. Easily. Um, moving on, another team I think is a winner in my book would be just Toronto. I think they're just trending in the right direction still. Uh, losing Semien and Ray obviously is going to hurt your value. I think they did well to address it. I don't think, you know, in an ideal world, they could have got a guy like Freeman or something like that. But um, I still think overall, they're still trending in such a positive direction. I still like their moves. They added depth to the starting rotation, added a guy like Gosman to replace Ray. I think that they were very comparable um, value-wise. Like Ray, even though he was Cy Young, He's not going to win signing next year. No. So no. losing him is kind of like, oh well, we were put him, we put another you know top twenty ish pitcher yeah. in for him, top twenty five pitcher in baseball in for for Ray in in Gosman. Um, add a guy like Kikuchi um, to kind of round out the bottom part of the rotation. Probably also buy Pearson some more time to and and really, resign Barrios as well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, that seems so long ago now, yeah. but it's <laughs> it's uh it's really a more well rounded, I think. Um, rotation than they've had in previous years um hopefully for them they get a ryu bounce back year um if so they could have a really threatening you know top three or four of their rotation and then chapman of course is going to replace some of that Semyon value he's probably not going to be a top three mvp kind of guy like Semyon, you know kind of was but i still think the defensive output plus he probably will uh provide great protection for the middle of the order I think that he is a great value add um, for not a lot of money at all, like because they traded and extended for him. It's not like they had to sign Freeman for you know yeah. thirty five AAV. They're getting a lot of value from Chapman for pretty much just you know twelve and a half a year, I think, for the next two years. So I will agree. It's, it's yeah. good. It's good for them. And and I will say too, if they would have got Freeman, you're going to move Guerrero over to third, and that in a way could really just. I mean. That could really bring down his war with if, if defensively he just is not putting up sure. good numbers. I feel like that Freeman addition could almost hurt you 
And then Freeman, of course, is getting older and older and older. You know, you look at it, you know, a five-year deal or something like that, then you're kind of wondering, huh, you know, did we really help the team? At least with Chapman, you're getting a a platinum gold glove or, you know, platinum glove winner yes. at third base. Even if he bats 230 and pops 30 home runs, I think that's a W for you guys. 100%. And, of course, you have, uh, you know, you have just an amazing glove at third base as well as Biggio at short or um, Bichette at shortstop, the defense got better on the infield. So I, I do like the move as well. So I think it's Chapman was a very good move. Yeah. Yeah. So we agree there. And then my third win team is going to be uh, the Minnesota twins. Okay. I think that they had a very questionable off season and I think they could end up being the third or fourth place team in the division. But what I do respect is that they're going for it. I thought there was a really good chance they were going to trade Buxton last season or in the off season. They instead they extended him. I thought there was a good chance that they were going to rebuild. And a nice extension. I thought when they traded Donaldson for Urshela and Sanchez, they were going to like rebuild. But you know they got Gray instead, and they are you know of course got Correa, which is a really big deal. So they will be a threat. I don't think that I would pencil them in for the playoffs. I don't think I'm there yet with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, the pitching is a little. I think it's a little shallow. Bundy is like their second or third guy right now. Who yeah. I liked Bundy and the Angels in 2020, but there was definitely a fall from grace for him. So I think that there's still, uh, you know, holes to be addressed. But if they're, you know, a lineup towards the top with Buxton and Correa and, you know, a guy like Jorge Polanco, like it's going to be some some chances for some guys to really prove themselves. I think they have a chance to be a really solid team. Um, if Sanchez can have a bounce back year, I think Gary Sanchez might see some DH time mm-hmm. if he uh, mm-hmm. gets the power going again. Focuses just on hitting instead of the catching side of things too. Maybe it helps his bat uh, speed up. So overall, uh, the Twins. I'm not saying that they're a win because they're a lock for the postseason, but I think that they at least are going for it. Uh, I think the teams in the Central don't really fear the White Sox that much. The White Sox are for yeah. sure the favorite. But the other teams like the the Tigers and, of course, the Twins are making moves to stay around that level. I agree. Um, I think Gary Sanchez could be a guy you could watch on having, I would say, a rebound year. I think that a change of scenery out of New York could really be good for him. We'll see what happens. But I think it's a guy that literally could have uh, a good a good bounce back year. I think also with Chapman as well. I think some of these guys, you get out of your, you know, the, the team that kind of brought you in and then you kind of change the scenery it sometimes helps some of these guys and they go off. So we'll and see kind of what happens with those two guys. I like what you said about Chapman there also because he is leaving um, Oakland Stadium Coliseum, you know, or just a tough place to play and bat. <laughs> exactly. Whereas you're going to the AL East, of course, it is going to be some, you know, he's going to get to play Yankee Stadium. He's going to get to play in Toronto, hitters ballparks. He's going to hit some doubles off the Green Monster, I'm sure, when they go to, uh, when they go to Boston. And then, of course, Famously, the Orioles are adjusting their left field to make it less hitter friendly. Yeah, <laughs> but I think they'll still muscle some out there too. So I'm uh, excited to see that. Charles, yeah. give, give, give me your winners though. Yeah, so I had the same two. Uh, I had top of the list: Mets, Blue Jays. You can go one or two either way. I think that they did an incredible job this offseason. Really good for them. They really want to make a punch into October. Um, they missed out last year. My third team, Alex, and I know I think I've been high on this team for about 15 months. I had the Atlanta Braves. Um, replacing Freeman with Olsen. I think I've been talking about that for almost two or three months. I thought that was just a fantastic deal. I know you want to bring back Freeman, but you bring in a guy who in probably a year or two will be better than Freeman power wise, already better I, than I think Freeman. he's already better than Freddie. Yeah. And I know we talked about the last time. I know, I know him and it's at uh, least close. 
Freddie and Olsen are neck and neck right now when it comes to the pure hitting and all that stuff. And defensively, Olsen is very, very good defensively. And if we're, if we're talking skill per dollar, it's, of course, Olsen. Yeah, exactly. You, you avoided paying Freeman this contract that might age poorly. Exactly, exactly. So I definitely really like that move. Um, they bring in a guy, you know, Anaheim native. <laughs> they bring in a guy that's they're going to bring him home. I think Matt Olsen will thrive. And then, of course, I think that what they did with that um, with that bullpen, I mean, they just got stronger now. And I just feel like the starting rotation is still a rotation that down one through five is still, I think, one of the scariest in baseball. I mean, I'm, I think I'm just really high on Freed, Ian Anderson. You're probably going to get Soroka back. You're going to have Charlie Morton. Um, I, I really like what the Braves have to offer this season. And then, of course, Cunha will be back this season. And, of course, having Rosario as kind of a fill-in guy with Duvall in the outfield as well. Alex, they actually might even get Marcel Ozuna back. I, I heard some tweets. No idea. But, yeah. But uh, we'll see what happens there. I guess him and Bauer are kind of on the same bus. We'll see what really happens yeah. with these kind of I, guys. I, I, I remember hearing something a couple months ago about the Ozuna case, and maybe there was – yeah, I, I don't want to comment in case I'm wrong, but there were some questions as if, like, he was going to be punished or not. I think there might have been uh, – something might have broke positively for him in the case maybe he didn't do what was claimed i'm not sure i don't want to you know comment but if he was back he'd be a perfect dh candidate for them he really in, would in the new rule he really would he really would so i think the braves did a very good job um almost you know you win the world series and and, and you know honestly you you get better and you get better by getting some of these you get guys that are younger and you get guys to add to the bullpen so i like what the braves did they're in my opinion one of the top three uh you know winners i think that the twins of course as well um but we'll see. I mean, honestly, if Gary does not work and, you know, Correa, like you said, just doesn't really, you know, pan out for them. It's kind of just a uh, interesting year. Um, I think, that, of course, they they really made themselves more apparent in the in the AL Central. But we'll see. Um, we'll see kind of how that pans out. I think the White Sox, of course, are still the uh, the clear favorites for that. But Alex, moving on to the three losers of the offseason so far, I'll kind of go first with all the teams that I got. Um Number one, Alex, I have the Rockies. Okay. I, I, we talked about it earlier. I, I just don't know what you're doing. Um, you lose key players and you don't get good return. And then, of course, you go and spend a lot of money on a guy that is probably not going to help you even win 75 games. So I don't know what the Rockies are doing. They're my uh, they're probably not my number one. Number two, I have the Guardians. I didn't see much from them, and I don't know what they're doing as well. I, I think I'm just big on get Jose Ramirez out of there before it's too late. And I I think he has, what, two more years left on the deal? I think they have two, like, team option years, something like that. Okay, yeah. okay. But in my opinion, I think that he's a guy that you can't see ever signing back, and I feel like he would be one of the biggest names on the free agent – or on the, on the trade block market. I think that there's that, – that's a team that needs to think about doing that. Um, right now, Tigers are trending up. The Twins are t- trending up. The Guardians are just kind of staying there. Standing still. You know, and I, I last year they did have a season that was still – they put out a good a good product on the field even though that I feel like they were just kind of, you know, the Cleveland Indians and all that stuff. But this season with the name change and all that stuff, we'll see kind of what happens. But I just don't see anything really moving with Cleveland. And I, it's, it's either, in my opinion, you know, you add a couple more pieces or you just kind of give it up and say, you know what, we'll see you guys in three or five years. We'll rebuild a little bit. But – 
they're my number two um and number three alex kind of a surprise this team i'm still thinking might win and probably will win the division but i have the milwaukee brewers i just see a lot of opportunities that were wasted i did not see a correa push a story push a bryant push a castellanos push i feel like they really needed to get more offensive based players didn't see much of that so I guess we're kind of again they're going to roll again and say they're going to trust in the pitching which is of course very very good nothing to really you know bag on for the brewers but i just wish they would have gotten a little bit better on the offensive side we don't know what we're going to get quite from um you know from yelich from kane mccutcheon eh. and then of course renfro should be a good option there but I don't know. I'm just not really sold yet on what they did from the offensive side. At least the Cardinals come in with a this almost the same lineup with a good defense and a good hitting offense and the pitching staff, not as good as the Brewers, but still pretty good. You know, right now, I think those two teams are going to be really fighting for that, you know, number one spot. So that's my yeah. three. Uh, I, I'm, I'm jealous. I didn't think of putting the Brewers because I completely agree that they had a chance to become a real like top, top mm-hmm. World Series betting odds like favorite um if they just added two big bats freeman castellanos yeah i mean obviously that's a lot of money to commit i don't know what their financial situation is maybe there's not a big spender up there in milwaukee but i'm thinking that if they were really like two big bats away from like holy smokes like if they did what the phillies oh. did if they did schwarber and castellanos like the phillies did i think that they would be all of a sudden like look at this team yeah. ready to go they have the best three-headed monster in baseball pitching wise plus now their bats actually will make them an above average offense as well um i think overall the i like what you said the brewers offseason less something to be desired although i still right now might pick them to win the division definitely the cardinals are putting pressure for sure there I, I think the Brewers, like you said, they had a good opportunity from go to go from a division winner to now this team can win the World Series. This team could compete with any team when it comes to the starting rotation, the bullpen, and now the offense. I, I think that, that right now they have two strong uh, keys to the to their to their team, and I think that they're missing just that offensive, you know, uh, area of, of their of their team. So yeah. yeah, it'll it'll take a Yelich bounce back. Um, I think for you know, and people we talk about that all the time. Of course, like can Yelich do it again? You know. Can he at least be, you know, a really positive player? Uh, can he can he be a three or four war, a four war player again? We'll see. But um, I think that uh, they could have added some more offensive insurance there that they failed to do. Um, I'll go on to my three losses. Um, these are all team or two of these teams. I think are still could make the playoffs, but they're just teams who I think um, I would just say miss some opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, the Red Sox. They added a story which. If they didn't add story, Travis, they'd be my number one loser. Yeah. Like you guys <laughs> lost Renfro for Bradley Jr., which is a trade I do not like. They lost Schwarber for nothing. Um, and everything I've heard about Sale, Travis, is pretty negative too. I yeah. think I've heard that his injury. You lose my, Erod too. Yeah, you, you lost Erod, and you really only the pitchers you brought back in. So you're losing Sale to injury. You know, we'll see if he's be able to pitch Adovino, and win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you lose Erod to the Tigers. All you really brought in was Waka. Paxton and Rich Hill. What an odd squad that wow. is. Yeah, I didn't think I totally forgot about Paxton. Yeah. So they, they really bring in like a squad of like, you know, I'm not gonna say washed, but like definitely some guys that have been passed on by I mean two guys that were passed on by the Rays. When the Rays, you know, pass on Rich Hill and they pass on uh Waka, my mind says are these guys like fixable? Are they yeah. going to be able to be p- turned into guys that are going to give you innings in the postseason? You know, which of course is going to be the Red Sox goal. Um, so I'm a little confused there. 
a story story is a it's a it's a much better ad than than not than just not adding anyone there but i don't think he is going to be the trevor story from like 2019 yeah i think that he's going to lose some value playing second base assuming they go that route um I think that they're going to be heavily reliant on Kike Hernandez to kind of repeat his, you know, po- what he's doing in the postseason. They're going to be relying on Devers to kind of pop off again, which he definitely very well could. I, I'm high on Devers. But, um, yeah, I think if Dalback doesn't develop and if the pitching flounders, they could see themselves being fourth in the division. So we'll see how that goes. The other team on my lost list is another team that is their rival, which is the Yankees. And they're also only on the list because I think that – you're kind of comparing what they did to what their fans thought they were going to do. Yeah. And it's so, <laughs> it's, true. it's, it's such true. a crazy difference. Like they were in rumors for Correa for story. They Olsen, were in rumors for Seeger, yeah. Olsen, Freeman got none of them. Yeah. They got none of the, the big Yankees. names. And that's the, the Yankees, Yankees can usually just buy whoever they want. They did with Cole. They've done it in the past. Um, they did not go out there and add the huge impact piece. I think Donaldson is a good move. Um, Kiner Falefa, he is at least going to be a defensive-minded infielder, which is something they've been lacking the last few years. Rizzo is a good consolation prize for Freeman. That's a good way of putting it. Yep. But they still did not strike gold, I think. Uh, Donaldson could easily be a four-war player. Rizzo could be a three-war player. They could still be the second-place team in the division, I think. They could win it. I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but they could win the division. Um, I still I still think I'm going to predict them to make the playoffs. We'll see when that time comes to make those predictions. But I just think that they really could have been the runaway AL favorite if they added Olsen and one of those shortstops. And I think that they could have afforded it, right? Because, Easily. you know, you can afford Correa contract and then uh, Olsen just a trade. You can just give up some prospects. But looking at, I guess, their future, um, they have to win now because yeah. they're going to they're gonna have to extend Judge. Stan's a big contract. Cole's a big contract. LeMahieu is going to age poorly, I think. I really just see them as needing to go for it, and they did not. And the way, at least the way I see it, they did not go for it in a huge way this offseason, um, which I think they would have benefited if they did. Um, my last lost team is the A's, and that's just because I feel bad for you fans. That's true. That's true, um, yeah. It's, 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 it's nothing we didn't expect. We didn't expect them to make any big additions because they never do. Um, but unfortunately for the fans, they are fleecing. They are getting rid of... Chapman, they're getting rid of Olsen. They're getting rid of Bassett. Manea and Montas are probably on the way out too. I would not be surprised to see them off the team before opening day or at the very latest the trade deadline. So with all I, I, I love that they're doing this and Angels were gonna open up at Oakland for four games, and of course those games got moved. At least we'll make them up, but I'm just of course I'm you a little would, salty You would have liked course. to get a, a nice start to the season. I you know, and I we probably would have we probably would have, you know, done a done a a stupid two and two split to that series, just knowing the angel way. But you know, it, it definitely is kind of like, really, this is the year that you guys lose all these guys. And now I would love to go play in Oakland, but you know, yeah, well, yeah, we'll I see mean, him later on. <laughs> definitely. And, and I think that they lost, they lost the Deakman as well. Like they're really just like, it's just fire sale mode. They're just lost kind of everybody, yeah, but, yeah. um, they still got Elvis Andrews. So, I, you know. I, I, <laughs> that's funny. I, I, I do think that they, um, are, no, no Harrison, no Marte, no Canna. They're they're going to be a completely changed team. Yeah, it, it's going to be the next generation for them for sure coming up. Um, they're a team who are too they're too well run for me to completely sleep on them and say you're fifth place no matter what. I can't say that yet. 
um, just because they're too well managed. Uh, of course, the whole Moneyball thing where they're able to get value out of cheap guys. But Christian Pache, uh, at, he's going to be the uh, MVP. MVP, yeah, <laughs> MVP. But um, the I, I still expect them to be competent. But I do not think you know compared to last year, two years ago, everyone's like, oh, this you know in 2020, oh, you know they they won that they won the AL West and they you know looked good in the in the postseason until they got to the Astros, but. I think that um, seventy wins. Uh, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. That's, <laughs> that, that, that's tough. Um, I would say I. I guess I would say under, but I think over. I don't know. Seventy one. I, I, <laughs> they'll get you at seventy one. I feel like yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that they're a team who lost tons of value. So, um, yeah, Travis. I think uh, one more note on the Yankees before I move on. Um, it's really interesting how they. I've never seen a team that's like this high mark, like this high. Uh, market be all in on the prospect. Uh, I wanted to mention Anthony Volpe is someone who everyone keeps talking about. He is a, a middle infielder, shortstop prospect. He's like top 10 prospect in baseball. And it really feels like they did not want to give Correa a huge deal or Story a huge deal because they know Volpe could be ready, you know, this year, next year, year after at Very least true. at the latest. Um, I can't imagine, you know, not going for the win now mode because you have a really good prospect and maybe Volpe is ready to go really soon but i actually saw just a couple days ago he posted a selfie i think judge did with volpe and stanton it's kind of funny like they're already kind of embracing this young guy you know not on the team yet but he's definitely climbing the ranks and he could be there honestly if things don't go well with kind of falefa or another middle infielder maybe he comes up this season so it'd be be fun to see but um it's very interesting that if volpe you know i fully expect him to pan out but if he does not pan out it's like you guys didn't make the push on a proven almost MVP vote getter yeah. for a kid. But I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, Yankees yeah. fans, if if you want to believe in Volpe, more power to you. Angels are doing the same thing with Adele and Marsh. We're kind of hoping that they develop and we're not going to trade them for pitchers, it seems like. So fingers crossed. But uh, Travis, uh, anything else before we move on to those uh, outfield position rankings? Nothing else. Um, anything you want to talk about with the uh, spring training games so far? I mean, any, any, any impressive names you've seen? I mean, Joe Adele. From the Angels, we've seen him crack a couple. I mean, a couple homers, a couple homers that are probably gone more than four fifty. I mean, they they have been moonshots. So um, S- something that something that I've always known about him, even when he was struggling as a player, even when he first got called up, was making defensive errors, was batting like you know one ninety. He still had crazy raw power. Yeah, I remember he was grounding out at like hundred and five miles an hour. I'm like, okay, this guy, he does have power if nothing else. Um, and he's showing it in spring training. If he can get it figured out and just, you know, is able to hit the ball in the air with power, he's going to get so many home runs. I, yeah. I, he has too much power not to. Um, I would love to see a Joe Adele breakout, of course, Angel's bias. Definitely. But um, <laughs> he's he, he has the potential to be a really, really fun player in the outfield for the Angels. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's really hard to say who's going to break out because we're only about a weekend. And, of course, it's like this classic thing where some guy, you know, has a Barry Bonds OPS in spring training and then the regular season, they just are whatever. So yeah. it happens all the time. We've so seen that too many times. It, yeah. It's hard to say what's up. I think with the Rangers, Travis just had like a 24 run game like yesterday, uh, which is 
I saw that. Yeah. Props yeah. to them. Yeah. But they're probably the facing they're probably facing minor league pitching, so it's just really it's really hard to evaluate. Of course, it sucks when you have to. Wait, the, the first three innings are always exciting, and then you, of course you have to start watching some of the prospects. I mean, some teams enjoy that because you get you have some really you know high level prospects. Some people are kind of just like you know what I rather just Braxton Martinez for the Angels is yeah. like putting up homers, which is cool. But it's yeah. like you know this guy probably doesn't see the field this year. I mean, I I actually would like to see you know that happen, but it's 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 definitely a funny spot for some of these teams where um everyone's like in a different mentality of like are we focusing on rebuilding should we really develop these young guys angels the team that we we watch the most of course are really of the mindset of uh getting the veterans their reps which otani yeah. had a good start um rendon overall. had a good game today too rendon had a nice uh i think one or two rbis at least um yeah i think overall uh as an angel fan a lot to be excited about um putting up some really good offense uh, and then, yeah, I think all, all around the league, it's just kind of too too early to make any big judgments. Hopefully by next week or week after, we'll have a better grasp of, you know, which players seem like good guys to bet on. Because, Travis, a big reason why we were high on Otani going, going into the season is because he pitched well and hit well in spring training. Very, yeah, in, a very true. In, a, in a couple of weeks, we'll have a better grasp, I think, of who might be coming into the season with some momentum. So I'm excited to get to that point. Very true, very true. So now we can kind of move to the top 10 positions, Alex, the outfield we're doing today, left field, center field, right field, and of course, we'll do the DH as well. Um, so let's kick it off. Um, we'll start with the left field and we'll go, uh, you know, from 10 to six, and then of course, give our top five. But uh, start off with the left fielders, Alex, uh, give me your bottom five. Sounds good. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm sure we explained it last time, but in case we didn't, like, this is our idea of who's going to be the best going into next season. This is a 2022 power ranking for positions so my 10 through 6 and i will say travis this was a position where i left off a couple guys that i really really wish i didn't have to yeah um i'll just say like the 8 through like 12 was all kind of close for me but mm-hmm. my 10 and up uh brantley i have 10 michael brantley okay mark canna i have at nine chris taylor is my eight Randy Rosarena is my seven, and Eloy Jimenez is my six. So that's my bottom half of my five, of my, of my ten. Give me yours, then we'll talk. So number ten, I have Christian Yelich. Number nine, I have Kyle Schwarber. Eight, I have Alex Verdugo. Seven, Eloy Jimenez. And six, I have Jesse Winker. Wow, we almost had completely different guys. We, we only almost w- did, One yeah. guy the same. So we, cl- <laughs> we clearly have some big disagreements about some of these players and that's fine that's gives us something to talk about so Travis, i think the only way to do this is to do the next five because we'll talk about yeah i think I have some, I, some of my top five are in your bottom five and then mm-hmm. and vice versa so i'll go five up to one and i'll let you do the same so my five is christian yelich okay my four is kyle schwarber my three is jesse winker my two is joey gallo and my one is tyler o'neill give me yours so number number five i have aj pollock Number four, I have Joey Gallo. Three, Michael Brantley. Two, Tyler O'Neill. And one, I have Randy Arozarena. I think Randy was number, was it 10 for you? He was seven. Seven. Okay, Brantley so was 10. Brantley was 10. Okay, wow. Wow. So, so yeah, we have, I have A guys. lot of swipping and swapping. Definitely surprising to me, I'd say. But Let, let's start with Yelich. He's okay. number five for you. He's number 10 for me. He He's on the cusp of not making this list for me alex what still gives you hope about him yeah uh well put uh i think that there's still some very positive signs for him one being despite all his hitting struggles the last two seasons 2020 and 2021 
the thing he still has going for him is really good exit velocity. He still was 94th percentile in baseball, so top 6% in all of baseball in max exit velocity. Still hits the ball very, very hard. He was 87th percentile and hard hit percent. So I think that he is someone who his power has not fallen off. He just kept hitting ground balls, and he kind of tweaked his approach, and I think it was for the worse. I think um, in my mind, my gut says he can make a tweak and return not to not to being a thousand OPS or even eleven hundred OPS where he was in, in twenty nineteen. Yeah. I think he can at least return back to being a borderline all-star, a high contributor, um, someone that's good enough to be like a top five left fielder in baseball, which I think he definitely could be going into next season. Um some of the projection systems have him as a as a very uh, above average hitter, you know, between a one twenty and a one twenty seven like uh, OPS plus according to some projections. So I do think that he has the upside to get to that level. Um, will he do it? Will he just kind of do what he did last year? That's definitely possible. Um, so you're being a bit more conservative on him, which I understand. Um, but I do think that uh, there's a lot to like. He also is very, very good with discipline. He was top 2% in baseball in walk percentage. He draws tons of walks. He hits the ball hard. It's really hard for me to sleep on him when he's doing those things really well. He just needs to get the ball in the air a bit more. And he's going to turn a ton of ground outs into line drives, into home runs. So we'll see how he makes those adjustments. Okay. okay. Give me your thoughts on Yelich, I guess, too. Yelich, I mean, I... I've just I, 2020. I saw a a drop off in and like I've always been saying. I think I've been saying this a hundred times already. I, I'm not going to blame anyone for having a drop off that season. Um, you know, <laughs> practically no spring training. You go and you go into a 60 game season. Um, you know that's that's you know that's normal for a lot of guys. I just feel like last year, much like a Bellinger, we just saw a guy that you know you, you just don't know who this guy is anymore, and you're kind of just wondering. Okay, you went from this superstar you know, almost, almost a more athletic Barry Bonds type of player to now a guy that I, I mean, falling off almost 400 points on the OPS chart. That's very, very eye-opening to me. It's, it's, it's a little concerning. Um, you kind of wonder what you were doing in the past that kind of changed up your whole entire approach to drop off this much in, you know, one and a half years. And so, that's my only concern for him right now. Um, you pointed out great, you know, he still, of course, plays decent good defense still has good speed still can really contribute to the team but i just feel like right now his hitting has just been such a bad drop off where at least some of these guys on the list ahead of him i have seen progressions the last two seasons so that's of course why i wanted to kind of punish him at number 10 but still keep him on because i still of course have the respect you know if you look at the last three seasons he probably still has an ops that's you know if you 880 or something if you combine the good with the bad yeah it's going to be still pretty positive definitely definitely so uh Talk, we both had Tyler O'Neill top two, yeah. um, very high on him. Um, let's move now into, I guess, so I had Brantley, Arozarena in my top three, Alex. They are not in your top five at all. What are your thoughts, I guess, on Brantley and Arozarena right now? Yeah, um, a lot to like about both guys as ball players. Um, I think that Brantley... Um, is still projecting to be a really positive player. He's still in my top 10. He's actually 10th. Um, he's still going to be an above average hitter. Um, the defense is not going to be great, but he is one of the best in baseball at being bad on ball. He does not swing and miss a lot, which is still a good skill to have. I'm just going to value, especially in left field, a power more. I think that you know being a really good power hitter and like a really good walker, I think is something that's a bit more viable um, just in terms of what, how I'm grading players. Um, he's still going to be a good hitter, but I think he's going to be closer to like a two, two and a half, three war player, whereas some of the guys I have above him I think could be a bit better. Um, going on to a Rosarena, Travis, 
Rosa Reina is someone who I really like a lot. I think that he's one of the most exciting players to watch in baseball. Whenever the Rays make the postseason, my eyes are on Rosa Reina to pop off like he continues to do. But what I will say is um, there are con- there are some concerning numbers in his uh, stat cast data. He just doesn't hit the ball uh, that hard, it seems like. His hard hit percent is surprisingly low. It's a, He's a 59th percentile, so he's barely above average in terms of hitting the ball really hard. And I saw some really interesting data. Uh, when he's not playing in Trop, in, uh, Trop, in the Trop is home field, of course, um, it's like a really big drop-off in his away in numbers. I really think for whatever reason... People, I saw people theorizing on Twitter, like, I think he hits the ball with lots of backspin or something, and, like, it it benefits from being, like, in Tampa Bay, I guess. People are kind of theorizing on why he might be so good at home and, and not good at other places, but... That's interesting, because it's, it's, I know people have been saying it's a it's a pitcher's ballpark. It's 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 kind of funny that and he likes home. It, it's a pitcher's ballpark, and well, it's a ballpark that people struggle in. I think yeah. one time Trout said it's his least favorite ballpark. He doesn't see the ball well. I know that Willie Adamas, Travis, he literally got traded away because he couldn't hit the ball at home, <laughs> but he was great on the road. Yeah, A Rosarena, for whatever reason, is the opposite. So I think one day, you know, I don't want to predict a bad future for him, but I think one day they're going to trade him for some prospects. And I think he might fall off with a different team. I don't. I don't want to wish that on him, but that's just my prediction right now because he does favor home so much. So I think he uh, Rosarena is a fun player, exciting, good player still. But I think there's some more flaws in his game than I initially thought before I looked at the, uh, the data. So I have him at seven outside of top five for that reason. But the only thing I will say to prove prove your point a little wrong um is just looking back and i know it's a short sample size but looking back at 2020 world series san diego and also arlington texas very true was a master you know at those ballparks so i definitely see that i just think he brings all assets of the game really does not have any weaknesses with him and i think that he's only getting better we'll see um he's only had really a a season and a half practically to measure so for me having him number one i'm actually kind of shocked i would have thought other people i would have had higher than him but um yeah i think he's i think he's still rising up and i think that he's still uh we'll we'll still have to pop up i think he's still kind of hitting the middle of that Rays lineup i think he's going to be one of their stars this season as well as with brandon lau and of course wander franco but um Uh, alex tell me again where you had uh where you had gallo I have Gallo two and Winker three, and okay. they're both outside of your top five. So I, had, I, I had Gallo four and oh, okay. Winker six. So yeah, okay. yeah. So, so g- give me, give me Gallo. We were discussing this before we started the podcast. Yes, give me Gallo. Yeah. So yeah, just to give some insight before the pod started, me and Chad were talking about Gallo, the batting average versus the on base and the slugging. And he's very active on LinkedIn, so uh, he's ready to move on beyond baseball. Yeah, he's ready to <laughs> start applying for jobs in. Uh, He'll be working on Wall Street in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, but. uh I think that, of course, one of the best power bats in baseball, top 2% in all in baseball at barreling up the ball. He does not chase. He's really good at walking. He's top 1% in baseball in terms of walk percentage. He's also a really good defender, um, 93 percentile in outs above average. So overall, Travis, the only really weakness in his game, quote unquote, is contact. And I think that just, you know me, I mean, all, him and David Fletcher should just mix into the into one body. Into you know? the greatest player of all time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, exactly my point. I think Fletcher is someone who I love uh, as a player. I'm glad he's in the Angels. I love seeing him bat. But he is someone who, even though he gets you a lot more singles than Joey Gallo, the math just tells you that Gallo, a hitter like him, who is going to sacrifice contact for power and walks, it leads to more created runs. It just does. That's what the math says. So I'm really big on Gallo's production. 
even though last year he had a below 200 batting average, he still had a really good on base and a really good slugging. He still uh, provided tons of value, even though he had a bad stint in New York. It is a hitter's ballpark. I do expect him to have a bit of a bounce back next year um, in that ballpark. I think that honestly, uh, he almost was my number one. He's almost my, my best left fielder right now. The only weakness is the contact and i'm just not too concerned about that i think that if he is a 200 hitter but has a 850 ops and plays really good defense then he's a top three left fielder i just think that's the way it goes Mm -hmm. for me for Mm -hmm. my money so um, i'm happy with that position um i guess give me your take on gallo i mean two and four is not that far apart we both kind of agree that he's one of the best at the position but give me your take on gallo he's in my he's in my top five because like you said plays good defense has a great arm has some of the best power in the major leagues right now. The biggest problem I could not put him in my top three was just batting 199 last year. I like, you know, you made a good point. He has a good on base. I think we were talking about right now, the last couple of seasons, his on base has been 150 points higher than his average. So I told you, I said, man, if he can bat 250, then I could really get on him as being the best left fielder. 250 average, 400 on base, probably a 600 something slugging. This guy'd be a, a, a monster at the plate. Uh, I just look at the 199 and barely making contact. And kind of what he did in New York was just kind of, I think his OPS plus was definitely below 100. And so it was definitely kind of an unproductive, an unproductive hitter. And so yeah, post trade line, post trade line for sure. And uh, and I think his his season last year he was like a 125 in total OPS plus hitter. So again, I just look at a guy that you know led the league in strikeouts, led the league in walks. Um, that's actually surprising. You don't see many guys lead the league in strikeouts and walks. I don't know how many players have ever done that before. But when you see a 199 average and you lead the league in strikeouts. Um, you just definitely know the guy is just looking to crack it out of the ballpark, which for some guys is a very good thing. But to me, I'd rather see a little bit more contact um, in his game to be, you know, a higher elevated all around left fielder. I see the guys in front of him can do that kind of stuff um, easily, in, in my opinion. So uh, I think he's in, he's on my top five. He's at number four because he plays good defense, has a good arm. He's definitely still a guy that's going to be very productive. I think he almost had a five war last year and you saw him have such a terrible time in new york you know if he has a good time this season gets productive the guy can be a five six war player without a doubt so mm-hmm. mvp um, votes possibly. i respect him a lot um he's just of course to me i don't think he is uh he's going to be top of the left fielder list and just yet cool uh, let's do a quick thing on winker three and six right i'm at three you have met yep, six yep. i think that he is one of the best uh left-handed hitters against a right-handed pitcher in, in all of baseball. He, he just mashes from that side of the plate in those kind of matchups. Um, yeah, he, he's like top 10 uh, percentile in baseball for um, like expected batting average and max exit velocity, uh, stuff like that, uh, ex-WOBA. So a lot of advanced stats really like him. And I think if you just look at his batting average and his home runs uh, against righties, he just absolutely crushes the ball. Um, I had him in fantasy last year, Travis, and he mashed – um, in the right matchups, I kind of knew exactly when to play him uh, against the righty pitcher, righty starter. They'd bat him lead off, and he'd hit you know a home run to start the game, or he'd drive in a bunch of runs in the middle of the game. Uh, I think he's a really underrated bat. I'm interested to see how he fares against uh, the American League West, which is where he'll be, of course, in Seattle now. Yep. Um, new change of scenery. Maybe it helps him. Maybe it hurts him. But I think for now, based on what I've seen recently uh, i think he's still super solid the defense is a big weakness 
Um, so I understand having him lower for that reason. But the guys who are in the ballpark of him for me, like Schwarber, Eloy Jimenez, not good defenders either. So I think I'm kind of okay with it. And I know you kind of you trended that way. I know you put Eloy and Kyle Schwarber a little bit higher than I did. That's the only reason why Winker's number six for me. A negative 1.1 defensive war last year. Um, definitely, I think, hurts his team when he plays defense. But, you know, I, I again, I, I, I like the way he hits the ball. He's one of the best left-handed hitters, I think, in – in the LB right now. So um, I, of course, just punish him at six just for, of course, the defense. I want my guys in the top five to at least, I think, provide all around good left field uh, production. I think AJ Pollock is, is an above average defender. He last year proved to be a very good hitter as well. Joey Gallo, I think the only thing he's missing to be a five to a player is probably the contact. So he's right there as well. Brantley does everything. Not a very good, uh, you know, I think Brantley, of course, isn't as strong as he was on the defensive side. Um, m- mainly DHs now. If, if your Don's not, uh, if your Don's not DHing, Brantley will be DHing. But I think that he's still one of the best hitters, you know, honestly, in MLB right now. I think his average speaks for itself. He's been a great hitter the past couple of years. Tyler O'Neill is on the rise. Randy, Ra- Randy Rose Reyna. Again, all around kind of top, top players. So that's kind of how I rank these guys. Um, I Look, think Winker, Jimenez, and Schwarber definitely have a lot to work on if they want to get their all around game working. But I think honestly, Schwarber might not, might not even be playing much left field next right. season. So we'll I think see. I think he'll be DHing. One last note, Travis, before we move on. There's two guys, one of them who we have really high in AJ Pollock that I don't have on my list, mm-hmm. and then it's vice versa. So I believe the guys who I have that you don't are Canna. And Chris Taylor, is that right? Correct. Yeah, those guys are left off. Yeah. And then I had to leave off Alex Verdugo and AJ Pollock. That's why I said my like eight through twelve, I all felt really good about because Verdugo yeah. and Pollock were super in the conversation. I was considering them for sure. I just kind of was not super sold on, I guess, their production as much as guys like Brandley, Canna, and Taylor. Um, Pollock, Travis is interesting. I do think that. Um, He's still going to be a good player next year, but he really kind of popped off last year. I'm not sure if he's going to... I'm trying to figure out how they're going to do it. I think he might be playing some DH for them. Assuming a healthy Betts and Bellinger are going to be in right and center, I imagine uh, maybe while Muncy's hurt, you see Taylor at, at second and They'll Pollock have a lot left. of different options, I know. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I'm thinking that based on those high options, Pollock might not even see like 130 games. He might, he might be a bit lower on that list just because Dodgers have so many options. Um, I think the AB total for Pollock might be a bit low, and I kind of ding him for that a little bit. I think his projected WAR is a bit low, just because he's not going to have as many at bats as a guy like um, Yelich or Schwarber, who I think they're going to be batting every single day. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely interesting conversation about those guys. How to bring them up real quick? I will say left field, Alex. I think we can. I, I don't know if you agree, but probably the weakest position we've probably done so far right now. Definitely, definitely could be in that conversation because um, I, yeah, I would say. The reason why we're so different in our lists is because a lot of the guys, it's very comparable. Like the fourth guy on my list and the ninth guy, it's like, you know, I, I mean, I like the way I ordered it, but I think that um, there's, you could easily tell me that Verdugo and Pollock, who I don't have on my list, could be the first and second best next year. Easily. Just because um, to become the best at this position, you don't have to be super incredible. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to move on to center field now. Correct. Yeah, center field. You give me your top, uh, your bottom five. Okay, so 10 going up for my center field. And this is another position, Travis, where I wrote down some guys' stats and I had to leave them off. But 10, I'm going Cody Bellinger. 9, I'm going Kike Hernandez. 8, Cedric Mullins. 7, 
Brandon Nimmo, six Trent Grisham. So a bit surprised. Wow, G- interesting. Give me, right. give me your bottom five. So yeah, number ten, I had the same Cody Bellinger. Uh, number nine, I have Harrison Bader. Number eight, I have Cedric Mullins. Number seven, I have Starling Marte, and number six, I have Brendan Nimmo. So I think about three out of the four, three out of the five were very similar on. Yes. And um, so I have, of course, had Bader and Marte in my bottom five. You had Kike, and I think the last one was Grisham. Grisham. Up so at six. Give me kind of uh, give me your take on Grisham. Give me your take. Kike, um, I think is is definitely a all super utility guy. Um, I, or, I just think based on story being at second, yeah. I think Kike will be playing center field oh, the easily, most. Easily, so, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Travis, I'm going to go on a limb and just take a make a prediction that Grisham did not make your 10. He did not. No. Okay. So with that in mind, I just wanted to know that just to make sure um, I know how to kind of frame my argument for him. But yeah, I'm way up at six. And a lot of this is based on my belief that he was hurt last year because he started off the year really hot. He missed some time to injury. And when he came back, he was not really the same player. Um, he's a really, really good defensive center fielder. Um, he's pretty good at walking, has pretty solid power, and also is able to uh, make good contact. He's a he's top, you know, top 30% in like uh, whiffing, uh, avoiding, you know, swing and misses so i think that there's tons to like about him i think he's a really almost five tool player um in an ideal world i think he's betting lead off for those uh san diego padres especially against a right-handed pitcher but uh i think at the end of the day i'm expecting a bit of a bounce back from him he's projected to be around a two and a half to three and a half war player i think he could be a bit higher than that if you can play a full healthy season get some of that power back um which you know, I know he's more than more than capable of, um, because I saw how good he was in the short 2020. Uh, but the advanced metrics were always there for him at the beginning of last season too. So I think uh, he had some injury luck, bad luck last year, and I'm going to go on a limb and say my prediction is he improves uh, in a big way from his 2021 campaign. So that's why he's up at six for me because uh, some of the data likes his speed and defense, and I just think his bat will come back. So okay. that's where I'm at with him. We're both high on Nimmo, which I like because I'm glad you put him up there because he actually is one of the best walkers in all of baseball. His on-base is great. He does not chase at all. He's He is the best at avoiding chasing in like all of baseball. He's a hundred percentile. He's really fast. He's a good defender and he hits the ball really hard. Perfect center fielder. Yeah. It, it's, it's like, it's like, <laughs> what doesn't he do? But he's not in that conversation of like elite center fielders enough. Like he, he yeah. no one really puts him in that top three, which, you know, we don't have him up there either. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, he needs to be a shoe in for everyone's like top six, top seven center fielders. Um, he does it all. And honestly, he's, he, he's not going to be a guy that hits a lot of home runs, but that's fine. I don't, I don't need that for my center fielder at most times. So he hits he, it. He's hard. a perfect guy. Yeah. yeah. He hits it hard and he, uh, gets on base and he plays defense and yeah. yeah uh, no complaints about his game at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, we with a Bellinger at 10. I kind of figured based on your yellow at 10 that you do the same thing with Bellinger because you know, he still plays top notch defense and, and he's going to be in a prove a year. Yeah. Um, his war is still projected to be as good as most of the other guys on this list, even though he was negative in war last year, there's no way he's negative this year. I think unless he is a complete 
meltdown. I, if he has negative this year, they're gonna they're gonna send him to the minors or something like that. And, you know? and I could see him honestly getting. You know, I think a good year would be a three and a half to four WAR season for Bellinger. Well, he'd that, be back if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And, and I think MVP year he was around an eight or was yeah. he around possibly a nine or something I, like that. I, I think it was around a nine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean that that's an unreal kind of player that you're not going to get every season that Bellinger put together. But it, like I said, if you're at a four WAR for this season, um, and he's healthy, you know. Dodgers would love to have that in that lineup. But um, I'll talk about Marte and Bader. Basically, for me, Bader, 3-9 war, almost a 4 war in 100 games, Alex. So you're mm-hmm. looking at he missed about 60 games of the season. Easily could have finished with a 5 war kind of guy. Good defense, good hitting, um, really good speed as well. So I like Bader to be in my top 10. And then Starling Marte, Alex, a 4.7 war in, 100, in 120 games last season. Um, he missed about 40 games. Probably could have been a five and a half war kind of guy playing a full season. Great average, a 310 average. Alex, he had 47 stolen bases last last season um, combined between Miami and Oakland. I'm just thinking if he would have played 40 more games, you're probably looking at like a 60 stolen base season with the numbers you're putting up. I mean, I think Marte, he didn't get any MVP votes right now just because he switched the leagues. Yes. But I, I'm very curious to see what his status would look like if you're having a guy like that season with you know, almost a six war and 60 stolen bases. Um, really athletic center fielder, in my opinion. So I think that he definitely uh, earns a spot in my top 10. I don't think he's top five, but I think that he definitely um, warrants a really good spot right here. So, yeah, I'll give my response to them, I guess. Um, the those two guys were two of the three guys that I wrote down all their stats. I made the argument for them and they just barely missed the cut for me. Bader was my 11th guy. Technically I almost had him in the defense. I tried, I think I said it right when the season ended, they gave Arenado the platinum glove. I think the platinum glove in my mind should have gone to Harrison Bader. I think he was the most viable defensive player. Him or like Stallings maybe in the national league. Yeah. But I think that Harrison Bader and center field um defensive guru of course with the speed uh helping it that much more some pretty solid max uh exit velocity numbers his his hardest hit ball was is pretty hard but overall i think his bat is gonna hold him back from being an elite center fielder he will be a really good defender probably kiermaier-esque i think uh in the future but um you know, he still could have a five, six, four season if his bat is kind of solid and his defense is best in baseball. But as of right now, I think the offense might hold him back from being too high on my list, um, at least going forward. Uh, also, Marte, another guy who brings a lot to the table. I project him next season uh, around a two and a half to three and a half war, which is right there in line with guys like um, Nimmo and Bellinger. So there's a, certainly a case for him, but I just kind of like the uh battle ball data the hard hits and the walks from uh some of the other guys like like kike like moans like nimmo a bit more than him i think if you told me bader or Marte over bellinger i would tell you yeah sure but mm-hmm. um for me bellinger was kind of on there out of respect for 2019 yeah <laughs> i think a lot, of, a lot of people kind of understand that point even his 2020 travis bellinger it was a slump year but it was not that bad at all it was still like you know and both years postseason did really well yeah know? and then and then just yeah just this last season the postseason had some very clutch. I think he had a clutch RBI in San Francisco in game five. So he did with that in mind and a clutch Homer in the late championship series against, uh, I think it was Will Jackson or something like that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So w- with that in mind, um, 
Bellinger had to sneak on for me. Probably good to move on to the top five now. Definitely. It's looking definitely. like we're going to have the same five. Based same on one, it. I think, right? Ba- number one, I think we'll have the same. Oh, right, yeah. right. But I think so, yeah. I think number one will be in agreement. But I think all five guys are going to be the same. So yeah. let's, I mean, I'll start us off. Five going up. Five, I have Brian Reynolds. Four, I have George Springer. Three, I have Luis Robert. Robert, however you want to. Don't do not do that, man. He's not French. Come on, Robert. He, he could be. He could be. And second, Byron Buxton. And one, of course, Mike Trout. Travis, give me your five. So number five, I have Luis Robert. I have number four, I have Brian Reynolds. Three, Byron Buxton. Two, George Springer. And one, I have Mike Trout. So uh, same top five, different order. Number one, of course, is the same. We both have, uh, let's see, I think we have, Reynolds is number five for you. Yes. And he's number four for me. So very similar right there. It looks like we just kind of just scrambled two through five. You have Luis Robert at three? Yes. Okay, and you have Byron at two. Yeah, and it's funny. My top four center fielders all played less than 80 games, which Travis is- You know what? That's a a very good point. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I personally am kind of pro- let let uh let Brandon Marsh play center field for the Angels and let Mike Trout play the corners because even though it'll hurt his value, I think right now I'm in a I'm in a mentality that center fielders just get hurt and it just they patrol so much ground out there. They're so reliant on their speed and their jumping and their diving. Um it's funny, my four best center fielders all had injury issues. Also injury issues, uh Cody Bellinger only played 95 games, Nemo played 92 games. Cattell Marte, we classified him as a second baseman, but he played center field two last year, had injury problems as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of funny that, uh, I mean, I really didn't, did fact, if you got hurt last season, I obviously did not punish you because uh, my top four all got hurt at some point last season and missed games for it. But I'll just break down why I ranked him in this order. Reynolds at five, I just think that he, uh, he's, I think he's five tool. He's a very good player, hits the ball hard, walks, really good defender, runs the base as well. Does it does it all? Um, just I don't think does it at the level of the four guys ahead of him, at least for my money. Uh, Springer, you have at two, and I have at four, so a bit of a difference there. I just think the young guys, I'm giving them more of a nod for next season than I am for Springer. I've been high on Springer ever since, you know, of course, 2017 playoffs. No one will forget how good he was at that point. But even in 2019, Travis, he played like 120 games and had like six war. I'm like, dude, this guy could have been like a seven plus war guy yeah. if he just had a full season. In tw- as as recently as 2019, 2020 got MVP votes. 2021 got hurt. So I'm still very high on him, but he is aging a bit as a center fielder, which is probably not a great sign for injuries. Probably moves to a corner uh, in the next couple of seasons at some point here. Well, in- what what I was amazed at is that you know not even 80 games played and still 22 homers. I mean, this guy's looking at about yes. a 45 home run season if he was healthy all last year, which I was just insanely impressed about, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think next season he's going to be a three and a half to four and a half war player. Could it be up to five war player if Toronto, if he, you know, keeps the momentum up? But he hits the ball really hard. Um, love everything about Springer as a ball player. Um, I just think that the defense and center might begin to fade with age. But I think that for now, he's still solidly my fourth guy. Definitely. Uh, Luis Robert and Byron Buxton being my my three and my two. I they're, For me, they're really hard to separate. They both are complete freaks of nature. They hit the ball hard. They're extremely fast players. They are extremely, extremely good defensive center fielders. Both get, make, both get comparisons to all-time great center fielder d- defenders. 
uh, for me, it's really hard to distinguish them. What gave me the nod for Buxton was he just has a slightly higher projected war on fan graphs. And I think that he is just more likely to be ready to go as, as, a, as a superstar than Robert. But Travis, I think both of them could win the MVP next year, and I would not blink. I would not bat an eye. They both are that level of upside. Um, so that's why they're my two and my three. Yeah, I mean, Byron Buxton has 61 games last year, and he had a 4-5 war. I mean, that... I mean, obviously, he, I, I've, obviously never, I've never seen an, 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 an absurd stat like that, Alex. I mean, I'll be honest, that that is that is stupid right there. I mean, literally a nine war. That's almost like Wander Franco we were talking about. He's looking at a nine war in 122 games. I mean, that I can't I really can't describe that. I had him in my top three because of that. I didn't have him at two or one because he, of course, is not healthy. Hasn't put it together for a full and, season yet. And that's going to hurt me a little bit. Much like Luis Robert, I think he has played 125 games his in his career so far. He has like a 5-6 war. So imagine if you put together a full season, you're looking at almost like six war consistent seasons um, from both you know Buxton and Robert. So I think right now the health is the biggest thing. Uh, with these guys, of course, 2020 was a shortened season, but um, that right now is really what's it's stopping these guys from, I think, being, you know, number number two and three on my list. Um, you know, I think that Mike Trout still reigns high supreme. I think he still has the biggest gap um, up there. I mean, last year, in his, I think he only played, what, 30, 30 something games last year. Yeah, 36 um, games. You know, he pretty much finished his season with just about almost a 1.1 OO OPS and that again is going to be on you know that's going to be on another level right there so right. he's he of course is still putting up insane numbers so I'm really going to be you know including him at number one all although he is you know he's definitely been injured a lot which which sucks and that's going to of course halt him from being you know higher and higher on this list if there was higher than number one but uh you know I, I think that Mike Trout still is there's a big gap when it comes to number one number two yeah I think I, I agree with you um I will say that you Guys like Buxton and Robert, I think, are going to be the guys that one of those two will overtake him. I just don't know when it's going to happen. Um, but it'll come down to health for Trout. I agree. If he can play a full season, I'm sure he'll be up at a 7-8 plus war. Could be up to 9-10 and 10, like if he's in MVP form again. But yeah, there's not a lot of data to discuss about him last season because he hardly played. Only 36 games. But um, like I said, all these centerfielders got hurt because that's how the position goes a lot of the time. So we'll see how it goes going forward. But um, I, there's just there's no way I think to have Trout anywhere but number one. Definitely. As of right now, no Definitely. one else has proved it that they're that they're above him. He's he's earned that so far. So probably good to move on right to uh, to right field now. Right field got a lot of uh, got a lot of young talent and a lot of big names. I would say in right field, this was definitely I think the top five will be fun when we discuss that. Yeah, um, but. The bottom five will probably be pretty similar as well. Um, a lot of rising stars and a lot of talent that's been here for a while, Alex, I would say, for right field. Yeah, I'll, I'll start us off with bottom five. Uh, a quick note, I think the one through six in this position is one of the hardest to rank in, in, in all of baseball because yeah. just the order of those one through six. Because I think the top six in this position are all super elite players. Um, so I'll, I'll start us off. 10 going upwards. Uh, 10, I have Michael Conforto. 9, I have Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, 8, I have Mitch Haniger. 7, I have Nick Castellanos. 6, I have Kyle Tucker, who I was surprised that he did not crack the top 5, but that's how stacked this position is. Go ahead and give me your, your bottom 5 and we'll talk. So same 5, different orders. Uh, 10, I have Mitch Haniger. 
Nine, Michael Conforto. So just, of course, a flip kind of. Eight, I have Nick Castellanos. Seven, I have Teoscar Hernandez. And number six, I have Kyle Tucker. So agreeing on Kyle Tucker and um, kind of agreeing on Michael Conforto being towards the end of this list. Still, of course, um, a proven player that I think can still have a really good balance. Like, I don't think he signed with anyone Surprisingly, else. Surprisingly, no team yet. Yeah. Which I, is I, kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I heard a rumor. It's just, you know, I'm just, I hear stuff. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Tell I, me what happened. What'd you hear? I, I hear whispers, but I, I heard a, a whisper he might not be vaccinated and he's trying to find the team where he can not miss games mm, while being, okay. you know, because like if you're going to be in the AL East, you either travel to Toronto a lot and it's going to hurt you. Just go to Florida or Texas, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that could be end up being the move for him. I'm surprised the Rangers, you know, they find they signed Cole Calhoun. And I know they have a, a I know they have uh, Adolis Garcia and Cole Calhoun. But, yeah, I, I feel like that could be a good home th- for him. Th- th- there could be room there for him for sure. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure where he uh, will land. But he is one of the probably one of the highest, most well-known free agents left on the market and had a good 2020 season um yes. was very good 2020 uh this this past year of course kind of a drop off on a contract year and didn't take the qualifying offer um from the mets and so he must be asking for something decent he, I, at I least think he's so. asking for at least you know a good extension or a good uh you know a good term deal because i'm surprised he didn't take something like the uh like a korea deal or something like that you know something that he, he can opt out or anything like that but um we but, still give him respect uh, still at the bottom of our list. I think the right field is just so super packed and we're still high on Kyle Tucker, number six. I wish he could be higher. I think me and you both say that, but there are better players ahead of him, but maybe in a year from now, he will be higher because he's trending in a very good direction. Um, I think we both agree with that. Uh, we have, let's see, we, I think I basically in the, uh, in the middle, you have, uh, you know, Teoscar and Castellanos, correct? I think you have Castellanos number seven. Yeah, and then okay. Hanniger and then and then Hernandez. Okay, so Hanniger's number nine. Okay, so pretty pretty well round, I would say. Still, um, still pretty. I think you know, those bats are all, those bats are all kind of similar in a weird way. Castellanos, Hanniger, and Hernandez all kind of provide some pop. Um, Castellanos a bit more of a probably a ball and play guy. Hanniger and Hernandez, big power guys, but you know both have contact in their game as well. Um, yeah, I think that both. I think all those guys. Um, Bring something similar to the table. I just think that Hanniger and Castellanos edge out Teoscar for me. I think Teoscar might have a bit of a drop off next year. He had so many like RBIs and stuff like that, but I think it's because he was batting fourth for a really stacked offense. I think that as an individual player, I think that if you put, you know, Castellanos or Hanniger clean up in that offense, they'd be similar in the RBIs and runs categories. Um, yeah, I think that there's, uh, no matter how you slice it, that seven, the seven through 10, I guess, is all going to be very talented players that um, are going to be important for their big league teams. But uh, we both agree. I'm glad that Kyle Tucker is solidly sixth. There's a big gap after the top six, in my opinion. Definitely. Definitely. It's sad to not include Tucker in that elite top five, but probably good to move that top five now. So I'll I'll go ahead and, and start us off five going up. My fifth best right fielder is Bryce Harper. My fourth best is Mookie Betts. My third is Aaron Judge. My second, Ronald Acuna Jr., and my best is Juan Soto. Give me your top five, Travis. <laughs> almost. Almost perfect. Almost, almost the same? Almost the same. Five, Harper. Four, Betts. Three, Judge. Two, Soto. One, Acuna Jr., Alex. Um, so <laughs> I guess there's only one thing to really debate is, of course, yeah, I, Soto Acuna Jr. Um, yeah, I'll quickly just give praise to the bottom three so we can get them off the table and then we can discuss the big question at hand. Uh 
Harper, MVP. It's really crazy. You're the MVP and you're only the fifth best of your position, but that's just how good this position really is. Next season, you know, this season he had a 170 WRC plus. I expect it to go down by a bit, but he still will be a very elite bat for sure. Really great walker power. It's all just amazing. Um, Mookie Betts for me is fourth because the defense is still really good. The bat I think is going to start slipping every year from here on out uh, as he gets older. I don't think the pop is still completely there. He's still going to hit home runs and get doubles, but the defense is what sets him apart for me. Judge, I think, is an MVP lurking next season. Um, if he can be healthy, his power numbers are off the charts like always. Uh, the top percent in terms of exit velocity, hard hit kind of stuff, uh, barrel rate, all that good stuff. So, um, Judge, I think, is uh, a probably top two, three bat in all of baseball if he's still healthy. Um, Travis, let's talk about Soto versus Acuna. The one knock against Acuna for me, like the elephant in the room, is how many games is he going to play next season? Yeah, yeah. And um, is he going to be able to stay healthy out there in the outfield? Um, because he's missed, you know, he's missed some time in the short season, the 60 game season. He missed like the first, you know, few weeks of that season. Um, has not always been, you know, I would say in 19 and 18, he actually was like playing pretty much over 150 games, always healthy, always kind of on the field, but had some issues last couple of years staying on the field. Of course, that kind of weird knee injury last season while trying to field a ball, very fluky, uh, not saying he's going to miss, you know, half the season every year, but I just think that there is a more reliability in the hitting skills for Soto versus Acuna, who is so reliant on his athleticism. Um, I, I, get, compl- I completely agree, yeah. Okay, so just give me your take, I guess, for Acuna being above Soto in terms of right fielders. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the floor. Yeah, Soto, um, Soto, a 7-1 war last season, had a completely just, I mean, honestly, I think, was he number two in MVP? Yeah. Two, okay, so and, and rightfully so. I mean, probably one of the best, number, number two easily, if not up there with Trout as being the best hitter on the planet. I think he probably could be number one yeah. by this season's end. What he does is just absolutely incredible. Acuna Jr., I think he brings it all onto the field. I think he brings all assets. Last year, Alex, I know he only played 80, 82 games. He played half a season almost exactly, and the numbers were very or they were looking really nice the walks were up the on base was up um left the season at a 396 on base percentage i I just i I think i look back at some of these guys that you know did not play only played a half a season or only played you know uh, a quarter a season or a third of the season acuna jr last year had a 3-6 war when he left um if you look at the projections basically if you if you can have the same second half if you put together the full complete season he's finishing at about a 7-2 war so just about where soto's at and he's going to be hitting probably almost 50 home runs had 24 home runs in a half season last year um i just like i think i think with like acuna i just like he's not only going to be a threat when he hits the ball of the ballpark he is going to be a threat on the base pass i mean 17 stolen bases last year in only 82 games i mean you're looking at you're probably looking at a 40 40 season from acuna jr so the speed and the power is up there with tatis jr and then of course i think that the glove and the defense uh is something that's still very very impressive uh from acuna jr i i view him as i think him and soto are just so they were so stupidly close in this list. I, of course, wanted to go Acuna 1 because I know it would be a little good at debate. Uh, I know you're going to put Soto 1. Um, I wanted to kind of get, the, you know, spark the conversation going. But I just think that the last the last couple of years as well, Acuna has been um, 
He's been dominant. Same with Soto. I think that Soto has definitely progressed when it comes to the defense. I know the last couple of years we were kind of thinking, okay, Soto is a very good hitter defensively. He can, he can work on a lot of things. Acuna is already there. Um, I just see Acuna Jr. still being kind of top of the game. But, you know, I, one thing I will not to say is that Soto is a better hitter. And Soto and Acuna, I think, when it comes to the full entire package, are, are neck and neck. So, you know, I think, again, this season will prove who is number one. I do agree. Um Betts has slipped. I think if you look three years ago, Betts is easily number one right fielder. He has slipped. Uh, Judge, again, one of the best uh, right fielders in the game, really does not have a weakness to his game. But there are two guys that are a little bit better than him and Soto and Acuna Jr. So um, happy we had uh, a pretty similar top five. But for me, I think Acuna Jr. is just my guy uh because i think that basically he has no weakness yeah i uh, you're uh you've always been big on him and you i know you're big on like the five tool nature of him so um yeah no complaints there i completely understand if he was completely healthy going into the season if he was ready to go in spring training right now i think there'd be a much longer internal discussion for me of if he should be number one do you think Um, he wins the mvp last season if he's healthy um with the division winning so it's 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 really hard to say because I know for a fact his numbers will drop. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. He was he Probably was three seventy five on base. You know, I mean, because he, he's 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 a completely top. You know, he's the, in my mind a top five player in all of baseball without much debate. Um, I think that he you know he brings everything to the table for a really good team. Uh, but when it comes down to it, I just think that um, it was almost like Buxton, right where. Buxton was not gonna be a four war every two month kind of player uh, for the whole season. That just does not happen ever. Um, people get hot and they get cold. It happens all the time. Uh, the first half of the season, both Soto and Harper were very unimpressive, and the second half they completely blew up, uh, went crazy, and finished top two in MVP. So it would have been a really fun conversation of us kind of saying. Are Soto or Harper going to catch Acuna if Acuna stayed healthy? But I think Acuna would have slipped as those other guys kind of rose up. So Acuna definitely could have got the award. It would have been his award to lose since he was in the lead in the first half of that season. But yeah, uh, I'm just going to go off the fact that um, he got hurt is the fact of the matter. I think he comes back the same player, uh, you know, fingers crossed, of course. And uh, he He's definitely... 24 years old. <laughs> uh, and, and, Travis, it's not out of the question... In my mind, for the end of next season, either of these guys could be the best player in baseball, honestly. I fully expect Trout to continue to be really good, but he uh, has had a bit of an injury bug. And if he can't stay on the field, then someone else will have to take his place. So, Pretty um, crazy. I think I saw a stat. Uh, Acuna was the second player this century to have 100 or more home runs and 75 or more stolen bases before their 25th birthday. And it's him and Mike Trout. Um, They're both on... uh, on, a, on an elite path right now, almost inner circle path, much like, of course, Soto and Tatis, those kind of guys. But um, it's, I always like when you get to combine that that's, that power and speed. And he, he played the center field position. So when you think about that, you think of, you know, Mantle, Maze kind of players, you know, not yeah. many guys in history that have done this before. I, I've always liked, I've always liked to kind of throw a curveball at that and give him like an, a Hank Aaron comparison because um, he does swing for contact a lot, much like Aaron. Uh, He's kind of a certified right fielder now. Of course, could switch back um, if needed. But, I, yeah, I, I think that Acuna brings so much to the table, and there's a very good argument for him to be even above Soto because there's actually, 
you want to say there's no flaws in Soto's game, um, but I think there is the, this one flaw. If he hits a ton of ground balls too much, if he hit the ball in the air more, he'd probably be like a 45 home run kind of guy. And he, he didn't even have 30 last year, and that was a big yeah. surprise for me. Yeah, it, it, he has a really high ground ball rate. It's going to be hard to get lots of extra base hits when that's the case. Um, I think that his exit velocity and how good he is at not swinging at junk, he just takes his base every time he needs to, is going to make his on base be ridiculous. But the slugging... Uh, is going to suffer and the hormones are going to suffer if he keeps the ball on the ground. So, you know, there's a trade-off there. Um, so there is actually, you know, he seems like the perfect hitter, but there is a flaw, at least in some people's mind. But he is so good and talented and skilled that the flaw almost becomes unnoticeable and he's going to be an MVP regardless, right? Understood, um, yeah, yeah. But Acuna hits the ball so hard, has the speed. And Travis, we used to talk about Acuna as is he one of the best uh, in baseball a couple years ago, like 2019. My biggest problem with him was his on base was always around like a 350 with a, like a 270 average. Yeah, 366 he, is first and then 365 is second year. Yeah. And I think he's changed that. I 2020, think, 406, 2021, 394. So 390 or more. Yeah. Yeah. His, 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 uh, he was top. Let me see right here. He was top 6% in all of baseball last year in walk percentage, the percentage of his uh, play appearances that became a walk. That right there tells me that his approach is. Um, much more developed than a couple years ago. I think he has completely improved as a player at the plate. Um, With his speed, that's definitely a, a huge game because now you look oh, at yeah. stolen bases going up. Now you look at more runs developing. I mean, if you're just um, looking for your pitch more, you're going to hit both more home runs and get more walks, yeah, which is yeah. what they want from him. Yeah. Um, so and you know, guys are going to be thrown away. They're not going to want to throw to his zone. I mean, I think we saw a home run in 2020. I think he hit it out of uh, Truce to Park in uh in atlanta or something like that it, uh -huh. it was over the stands and it was just i mean monster it, shot it was just insane yeah so yeah, yeah. it might even against garrett cole i think it might have been but, i think you're right yeah but yeah. i mean just you see that raw power with that sort of athleticism and you're just you know not many guys can do that in in all of baseball history so right so and, and it's for those reasons that i completely understand having him first best um i just uh i'm a bit of a soto guy you're a bit of a kunya guy so i kind of saw this coming um, I'm excited to see how their race shapes up. I kind of hope they both stay in right field so they can have this kind of comparison. It'll be fun. Um, almost like Mantle and Mays being center fielders at the same time and like very, you know, compare like you got you got you got the Mick or you got uh, uh, you got Willie. Um, but yeah, I think looking at Soto versus Acuna, it should be really fun. Uh, like you mentioned, Soto's Im improvement in defense has made this a really exciting race because before it was like two different types of players, but now I think Soto's actually. Almost just as well-rounded. He's not as fast, but the defense is... Well, you is, put a seven war, so you're... The, 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 the defense was top 10% top in baseball for outs above average. So I think that he... Uh, I would say borderline elite defender, actually, Soto. Last season, at least. We'll see if he can keep that up. Um, Travis, that was a long discussion about some really good players. Um, let's move on to DH. Let's do that, yeah. I'll, I'll start with the, uh, cool. the, bottom, the bottom five for me. Cool. Um, Really interesting list. Um, I think this is uh, you're gonna have some new names. I think with some yeah. the extended DHs now. It's the hardest one to I think say who is a DH because the new rules. Yeah, exactly. So for me, here's my uh, here's my bottom five. At number ten, I have Luke Voigt. Number nine, I have Austin Meadows. Eight, I have Frank Schwindel of the Cubs. Seven, I have Hunter Renfro, which I believe he'll be a DH. And then number six, I have Fran Mill Reyes from the Guardians. So those are my bottom five, Alex. Give me who you got. Yeah, so I went with number 10, Daniel Vogelbach. Number nine, Trey Mancini. 
eight, I actually have Nelson Cruz a bit lower than some might think. Seven, I have Austin Meadows. And six, I have Jorge Soler. So some differences uh, right off the bat uh, in the guys that are making our top tens here. Um, I'll I'll just go ahead and say uh, Voight is a a really good idea. I just didn't really have him as a DH, even though he definitely uh, will get some time there for sure. Um, He's kind of hard to rate just because he didn't play that much last season. In 2020, he went off in a short year. So how good will he be in San Diego? It's hard to say, but you have him as top 10, which I think is definitely fair. It's a fair, uh, I guess, opinion at this point. Um, you also had Renfro, who, I mean, I imagine he'll be playing a good amount of right field, but I know his, even though his arm is really, really, really good, yeah. his defense, I think his glove is not that great, so I definitely could see some some DH for him. I guess it comes down to McCutcheon, Kane, and uh, Yelich being better defenders. Um, McCutcheon and him are probably both not super pretty, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, we'll see how they, how they decide to handle that. Either way... Um, his bat is definitely in the ballpark of the guys who you were you were saying. So I think that's all very fair. Um, Meadows, we have in a similar spot. Um, I'll, I'll make a case for Mancini and Vogelbach, I guess, since I think they're not going to be on your list, I assume. Um, unless. No, just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, think, I think that Mancini is someone who, if he gets a full-time DH role, is going to be able to put up some really solid numbers. He uh, is really good at exit velocity, max exit velo. We saw him, of course, in the Hormone Derby. Absolutely mash. Uh, in Coors Field, of course, um, able to hit the ball really hard still uh, as he switches away from first base. I think so. I I'm still you know high on him being a you know he was kind of a comeback player last year, uh, really inspirational story with the whole battling cancer. But I think just as a ball player right now, with a kind of weak DH pool, I'd say I think for me he has to crack my top ten. Vogelbach has a kind of a small sample size. He's going to Pittsburgh next year where I think he'll probably get more ABs. I think more ABs will lead to him being a really plus hitter um, above average, at least if he gets the ABs to kind of prove it Um, last year, just not enough to really grade. I'd say he played in 93 games, but a lot of that's pinch hitting and stuff like that. So it's really hard to give him a fair shot, but um, his power uh, exit velocity is still very, very good. It's a small sample, but um, I still think that uh, when he gets the right opportunities, use him in a platoon role against righty pitchers, I think he's going to do well. Um, I think we should move on to the top five because I can't really talk about Cruz until I hear where you have him, yeah, you know? Yeah. So let's go top five. I'll go ahead and give me yours, and then we'll go. So number five, that's where I put Nelson Cruz. That's the, okay. uh, that's the highest he's going to get for me. Um, aging, uh, we definitely saw him age, I think, in the second half last season with Tampa. Yep. Um, that's what kind of moves him down from my list. Number four, I have J.D. Martinez. Three, Giancarlo Stanton, and then two and one, pretty easy. They really separate themselves. Number two, I have Jordan Alvarez. Number one, Shohei Otani. Um, that's kind of how it went last season with Shohei always edging out Jordan um, for the top two. And, your, of course, Shohei being number one. That's my five, Alex. Give me who you got, and we'll discuss everything. So five, I have Fran Mill Reyes, who was your sixth, was number he? Number six, yep. So just a flip right there, yeah. And then four, I have J.D. Martinez. Three, Giancarlo Stanton. Two, Jordan Alvarez, and one, Shoya Otani. So overall, very similar, right? Um, so did you not have Soler? Did you not really consider him as a didn't DH? Have, didn't have Soler. I think I was just judging him a lot more on the season he had uh, last season with Kansas City. I mean, sure. I mean, you look at it all. He's a negative 0.3 war player. Yeah. Um, 
had really good power, of course, not a very good average guy, uh, 316 on base, you know, just I think just you're going to be looking at strikeouts and power with him. I mean, at least with Gallo, you're getting walks, but Solaire, and defense, yeah, exactly. And Solaire, you're just getting the power and um and, and that's pretty much it from him. I think he was up there, and I, I think I still had uh, I still had Frank Schwindel, which I mean, honestly, I, six months ago I couldn't tell you who this guy was. Right. Um, but you know, last season, uh, one point seven WAR, uh, only played about eighty. Let's see, it was actually no sixty four games last season. Frank Schwindel is a one point seven WAR, so almost about you know a, a four a four WAR guy in a four, full season, which is very very impressive. Um, and he put up some really good numbers. I mean, 14 home runs in 64 games, uh, a 591 slugging last year. Uh, so that that a nine nine sixty two OPS in the 64 games. I think he played the final couple games and was really big uh, for the Cubs in August and September. But um, I had him on my list kind of, I guess, looking forward. I have him um, as being kind of a high note. Uh, Solaire, again, um, I think I, a lot of people, you know, some people just really fall in love with the World Series MVP. Sure. It was a good good thing for him and something that you know uh he has and a lot of players will never have never barry bonds will never have a, it's kind of like the finals mvp with basketball he has a world series mvp which is very awesome but you know solar i think that uh uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how he does in Miami, but I think moving forward, I like I like Frank Schwindel right now. Sure, yeah, that's very fair. I, I still, I'll say I'm still high on Soler. I have him up at at sixth on my list. I think he just still he's still one of the best players in baseball at uh, max exit velocity, hits the ball hard, and uh, the barrel rate's really good. Uh, top 22 percent in walking and doesn't really chase bad pitches. So even though he's not, you know have a crazy crazy on um, base percentage i think that he still waits for his pitch uh, a good amount of the time so overall i still think he can be a very productive bat over in miami um but we'll see how he kind of trends our top four is identical is it not it, it jd giancarlo Jordan, Ohtani. Yeah, yeah from yeah. four to one yeah so pretty we're, pretty easy those are definitely the four uh clear-cut dhs i think when we think about dhs today yeah i think they're clearly the top four and in my mind the order is pretty set in my mind i will say travis um it's hard it's hard um, because i really almost put your at number one because you're done uh well hey if you conclude 2019 you got to right i mean yeah yeah right and 2019 you know one of the most monstrous hitters 2020 missed a lot of time 2021 was an absolute elite bat um you know Hit, he's, I think he's one of the best just pure hitters in all of baseball. Does it all at the plate. You know, there's the crazy power. There's even a level of contact went off in the postseason yeah. in the CS, of course, um, against Boston. Overall, just a monster. And I think that um, I think that at the end of next season, at the end of 2022, there's a really good chance he will be considered a better bat than Otani. Um, we'll see how, how Otani trends, but Otani still last season, some of the stuff he put up beyond like the MVP and the on base and the slugging beyond the numbers he put up, just like some of the uh, peripheral stats, like he was the best in baseball at barreling up the ball. He better than anyone able to hit it hard and get the good launch angle. It showed in his home run total, right? His home run total, uh, you know, totally uh, destroyed Alvarez's. So I think that, Go on. I was gonna say I think what really edged me out with Otani slightly over Alvarez was that you know 
Otani can easily turn doubles into triples. I think that he is a such the a threat. speed helps for sure. Such a threat on the base pass. So I guess I'm looking at the DH. I look at him as being okay. If he gets intentionally walked, the guy can steal second. The guy can steal third. So is he's he's still kind of in the DH role. I would say so. Um, it's a very unique DH because we think of you know big poppy. We think of just the DH guys being very slow only home runs your Don definitely fits that bill Shohei is definitely not like that um but he he showed that he can hit like big poppy and like some of these insane dhs of history but also uh run bases like ricky henderson so yeah uh, <laughs> very I, very supernatural kind of guy it's an important point that you make because it does set him apart from pretty much every other dh no one on this list can run quite like him literally no one i'm just looking at the list i'm like every <laughs> no one yeah everyone i wrote down is pretty much a liability in the base paths only guy i'd say is maybe stan stan has <laughs> he has a little bit of speed to him for sure but uh, of course still no otani in that regard um i think otani is even probably faster than trout you know it, it, it's, it's close it's it's nuts and oh, and what what we will add is he will have hopefully have more protection this year than last year yeah i imagine having Mike Trout before or behind him, Rendon right behind him, Walsh, you know, behind him more consistently, I hope, should help his numbers overall. Last year when his protection was, you know, love him, but, you know, Gosselin is not the <laughs> not the ideal three-hitter. Four-hole Jack Mayfield, it's just not going to lead to a very, um, I was going to say a very productive season from Shoei, but of course it was very, very productive. I just think it could have been more impressive if they had to pitch to him more. Could have won. I think if it wasn't for the weak protection, he would have had the home run title. I think his home run total really dipped in the last month. There was like a three game stretch where he broke the record for most walks in a yeah. three game stretch yeah. because they wouldn't pitch to him because they didn't, they didn't fear the guys behind him, yeah. right? Yeah. So they knew they wouldn't knock him in. So um, if Otani gets the right protection he needs, I think that that that's the key for him to being stay to stay above Alvarez this season for me is still be good in the base paths um stay in the lineup of course and uh have that protection help you that much more to keep the production above alvarez travis one thing i want to add before we wrap up um for those that don't know there's a new rule now the shohei otani rule perfect time to bring it up it you know for the first time ever the way it worked before was if otani was pitching and hitting as well the angels had to forfeit their dh they could not have a dh that game because their pitcher would be batting. So even if we're playing an American League team, once Otani comes out of the game, our pitchers have to continue to bat or else get get pinch hit for. We're playing NL rules. We turn into an NL team. Against yep. an American League team, uh, even though the uh, opponent's American League rules. Now, there's a new rule. The Shoya Otani rule is if your starting pitcher gets pulled out, they can continue to be the DH. If they were batting, of course, when they were the starting pitcher. So Otani... It's the rule made for Otani, right? Other pitchers can follow in his footsteps if they want to. If the Mets are super... Is that Granky, you know? <laughs> if, if the Mets have tons of injuries or, if, of course, if the if the Royals are getting really thin in the in the dog days, maybe DeGrom or Granky or, or, or Mad Bum or one of these pitchers wants a few plate appearances, they can now do that too. But really, Otani is the guy who benefits the most from this because it was so annoying to either A, put him in the outfield which means you're pull- for an inning or two <laughs> to get him one more at bat, which I agree that one more at bat could be very valuable, but you're taking an outfielder out of the game now yeah. for the rest of the game. Yeah. And then you're going to pull Otani. So now our bench is getting really thin all of a sudden. And, uh, it, it was definitely a big issue because and I completely agree with the rule change because 
he was being punished. The angels were being punished because of how versatile our player was. Yeah. Now we're getting rewarded for it. Yeah. Because this guy can do it all. So the rules are now allowing him to do it all in one game. I think it's great. Any other thoughts on, on the rule, I guess? No, I think it's uh it's definitely an awesome rule. I think with the Universal DH, it was gonna be, you know, the era of of these guys is pretty much over because you're not gonna have the guy DH and pitch, but now of course um we get to see you know Shohei do it all and I think honestly it's a good way I think also baseball it's a good way to also keep him in the game I mean if you come and see Shohei and the guy leaves in the sixth inning and you don't get to see him anymore hit or pitch you know you're kind of thinking to yourself man I I I I lost three innings of seeing Shohei do something special now you can see him hit for the rest of the game and uh it only helps the Angels out you know really it's kind of a I don't want to say it's uh it's it's you know it's the rules only for Shoei, so therefore it's just to help the Angels. And some people probably think, oh, it's just a way to help the Angels, you know, get to the postseason. People want to probably say, but um, at the end of the day, it's like it's it's you're you're correcting something that there, this rule wasn't there before because no one could do it quite like this, right? Exactly. He's and such he's such an anomaly. Yeah. And now that someone can do it, they can continue. They're they're good enough to bat after they're pulled from the game. Um, it makes total sense. And and they did this, uh, by the way, in uh, the All-Star game, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, I was always wondering, I was kind of worried about this season. I was like, even, I was like, for the first time ever, before this rule was added, I was like, the Angels are going to go to an NL ballpark and we're going to be playing with DHs. They're going to have a DH. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to not, we're going to have a pitcher batting because Otani uh had to be, of course, a hitter and a pitcher, and, and then when he gets pulled, our pitchers have to bat. But um, thank goodness that's not won't be the case. We're gonna get to see him continue to DH for the rest of the game after he gets pulled. So, I love the rule. Um, another quick update uh, for those that don't know, other rule changes: the ghost runner on second is gonna be back uh, for this coming season. I think the idea is, you know, the man starts on second base in extra innings just to help speed up the game. I don't know that it completely speeds up the game. I don't. I wish it wasn't the rule, but at the end of the day, if they think it'll speed up games, you know, oh, well, uh, maybe it helps, you know, prevent the bullpens from getting too overworked in like an 18 inning extravaganza. I think the point was with the shortened spring training, they want to give, um, they don't want to let, you know, they don't want to give your bullpen just, you know, imagine the opening day game, you go 15 innings and your bullpen is just, you're almost done for the week. It's like, you know, we literally have only been preparing for three weeks and now we go into the season, we have to do this. So I guess it's kind of a good preparation for that. Um, Also, Alex will have uh, 28 man rosters, I think, till like May 1st. Yes. So now every team will get an additional two guys to be on the roster for the first month. I love it again. I think with the way that the season has begun with spring training being cut so short, you definitely need some extra arms out there or some extra bench pieces to uh, to definitely, uh, you know, keep the load, you know, going for, for the right. first month. Because, I mean, I think the first month will be treated as sort of a it's still gonna be of course it's still gonna be competitive but i think it'll be treated as you know pitchers are still gonna be going five maybe six innings um the first couple weeks i mean opening day i would not be surprised if you see uh you know opening day shohei against verlander if both those guys max out at five innings pitched and then you go to the bullpen of course that's where we want to get for the angels because the bullpen is so deep right now but um i think for the first couple weeks it'll be a transitioning period into you know going going fully into the season um i totally get that i think the rules really only help uh you know these teams that uh you know also want to see more prospects and we see more guys i know me and you've been talking about you know who are the angels going to have to leave 
uh, behind when the season starts. Maybe bring him, put him back down in AAA. There's a lot of good good names out there, Alex. Now there's two extra spots. We can definitely see some more guys possibly make right. the cut for the uh, for the opening days uh, for the opening day roster. So. It helps us get creative with the bench, see who deserves to be there for the rest of the season, exactly. and add, add a bullpen arm or two to, of course, help uh, lighten the load for those guys. But yeah, I think overall all the changes are going to be positive. Um, looking forward so much to the season, Chad. It's just a couple weeks away now from opening day. Next week, you guys, we will be coming at you with catchers, starting pitchers, and relief pitchers. The top tens, uh, our power rankings, those top tens for those positions going into the next season um hopefully we'll have some more updates for you in regards to how the spring training games are going for some of these teams some of the star performers hopefully start showing themselves and we can kind of get a good gauge of who's really breaking out um as we get excited for predicting mvps predicting division winners it's a whole lot of fun coming up so episode after the next it's going to be uh the big one it's going to be a good one yeah the big predictions for the season yeah Uh, for, for those that don't know the our first ever episode was the day before opening day last year. So we're looking forward to the day before opening day. Season this, two coming out. Absolutely. Season two, uh, two tools are going to be at it hard. So, um, yeah, that, that day before opening day, we will give all our division picks, our MVP picks. We'll talk about who we're going to bet on in Vegas. So a lot of exciting stuff coming our way in the next couple of weeks. But if you made it this far, another kind of long one, we appreciate you so much. Appreciate all the support and all the listens. Um, like, subscribe as always. And uh, if you made it this far, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>